Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. Welcome to 2019. Welcome back to the Hooked On Podcast. Yes, we're back. New year, new lease, new era, new whatever you want to call it. But these same old wallies are back in your ears on the podcast for the first time in a very, very long time. But my goodness, it's good to be back. My name is Rob McNichol. I'll be taking you through uh, a very exciting edition of this week's Hooked On Podcast. And hopefully doing so every week up until WrestleMania 35. Yes, that is the plan to get us every single week all the way through to the WrestleMania season. And joining me as ever is my old mate. He is showbiz Paul Benson. How are you doing, Paul? I'm all right, mate. It's been a long time. It's been absolutely ages, but we don't need to talk about your personal problems. Let's go back to uh, talking <laughs> about the podcast. <laughs> boom, boom. New Year, same old jokes. Very good. Very good. No, well, it's, it's funny, isn't it? We've been off, you know, I, I looked it up earlier. The last podcast we did was July, so five months ago. It's not been a very newsworthy five months, would you say? You know, there's obviously the uh, the launch of NXT UK, the launch of All in all Elite Wrestling has been all in. There's been Roman Reigns' cancer. There's been Becky Lynch performing becoming a mega star. There's been Brock Lesnar coming back and winning the Universal Championship. There's been Crown Jewel. Um, there's been the Reserves of the the biggest progress wrestling show of all time. But apart from that, it's been fairly quiet. Uh, do you know what, though? I'd still suspect that if you said to a lot of people, we've not been around for the last five months because it's been a bit quiet, they'd go, yeah, yeah, fair point. <laughs> because in serious no in seriousness I think what what it's been is that the the big stories have been just that they've been news stories it's not been about a lot about the wrestling you make a good point about Becky there um but in terms of everything else um it's all been news stories you know about about Roman and about Brock's contract and about new promotions and all that kind of stuff not that we couldn't have covered that of course had had we had the time and the inclination but uh, it has been a very newsy last few months without being you know, we've just um, we've just finished our uh, 2018 uh, sort of review, haven't we, for Hooked on Wrestling, and which is uh, now should now be up uh, on social media as we as you're listening to this, and um, we'll talk a bit more about that during the show. Um, but in doing so, I actually found this a pretty hard year to pick out some highlights in terms of your usual performer of the year, match of the year, show of the year, that kind of thing. I found it pretty tricky going because I didn't feel like there was a lot of competition in a lot of the uh, categories. But yeah, as you say, what a newsy few months it's been. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But you know, let's to touch on 2018 slightly and to call a spade a spade on the off. It was a pretty dreadful year. There wasn't a lot of a lot. You know, the, the, the usual suspects weren't that exciting. As I put in my review rest of the year was tough nobody had a good 12 months there were several that had a good three month spell or two or maybe even four but nobody had a good solid eight nine ten month spell 
Um, not even Becky Lynch. Well, maybe with the exception of Becky Lynch, but so I'm sort of, I wrote that in the mail section. It's been dreadful, and you know, obviously, I I see the metrics. Uh, of, of how people's interests wane by how people are interacting with the page, what people are talking about, and honestly, people have just been so apathetic uh, mm-hmm. for the past six months, and I cannot blame them one little bit. You know, we we did SummerSlam events; you were there. Well, they were, you know, nobody else was mm-hmm. um, because, no, like, you know, nobody was interested in what we were serving. Um, and SummerSlam's always been the one in our party that lives and dies by its card. Um, yeah, WrestleMania and Royal Rumble are always a good time regardless and we always get big crowds and this year will be no exception but for SummerSlam it's always been a case of it is totally dependent on what WWE are offering as to whether people turn out and the the crowds were shockingly low if you were there and you listened to this you'll know what we're talking about and it just to me that was a massive eye opener on people's opinions of WWE at that time and I think God it, it, it feels like it's changing it really really does and it hasn't come at a moment too soon because do we were in big peril of losing people long term well they're in big peril in terms of their um, uh, television ratings and, and so forth they're in, by no means in any sort of peril in terms of their financial metrics which when not you actually, when you wait no not yet quite right but when you weigh things up you know 2018 is one of the company's best ever years um, yep. in, ter- in terms of its financials, how much money they're making, what the stock price is, all those things. So whenever anyone gets too over the top about it's been a dreadful year, actually it's probably been one of their best in their entire history. You know, seriously, True. because that's just you know it's it's not all about you know how good Raw is. It's about so many other things to them. That's something else we'll cover uh, in due course uh, in the uh, in the the course of this podcast's uh, next little run. Uh, I just want to clarify that what you said at one point, you said it's been a pretty dreadful year. Um, in terms of uh, what we're watching, I think it's it's important to clarify that you're pretty much specifically talking about WWE and not just WWE, but main roster WWE. Yes. Because I think it's worth pointing out that not everybody is just a WWE viewer, and I actually think that the wrestling industry as a whole has had a tremendous year. Um, I, agree. I think that um, that Impact Wrestling, um, while perhaps not even the number two in North America anymore um, because of you know the emergence of New Japan in North America because of Ring of Honor's expansion and we talked about what potentially may happen with uh, All Elite um, so TNA may not be how well, Impact I should say may not have its previous position but in terms of pretty much everyone that's, uh, that's watched it this year has suggested it's been a much better 2018 in terms of what they've been watching the approval ratings have certainly been higher if not TV ratings um, so that's good for them uh, British wrestling continues to push on um, you know, there's no sign of crowds dying off or uh, amounts of talent um, disappearing, despite there's been some, you know, some conflict about NXT UK uh, and other matters. Um, Paul, as Paul said, we've been off air for a few months in terms of producing podcasts, but it is worth going back to. I think it was about May um, when we did one, which we talked extensively. Uh, about the British scene, we talked about World of Sport, we talked about NXT UK, um, and a lot of that came from Paul's background. We, we'll kind of reintroduce ourselves in a minute, but Paul's background is is about is in TV uh, in terms of wrestling, and that's that's quite an interesting podcast to go back to uh, on that front. So British wrestling still healthy. I think the NXT product's been quite well received. It was great for um, for World of Sport to be back on the TV during the year. They're off on tour during the uh, the winter. We wish them luck. Um, New Japan continues to go from strength to strength. There is, uh, you know, as we're talking, Wrestle Kingdom is within the next 48 hours. That's going to be very very exciting. Um, and of course, Starcast, All In, 
and what's going to happen in, in terms of um, all elite wrestling coming soon. So I actually think in terms of the industry as a whole, we're in really, really good shape. Oh, I completely agree. Not just in good shape, but interesting shape. You know, it's been it's been a few years now where there's not been a much of a challenge to WWE's dominance. And like, when I say the word dominance, I'm not suggesting anybody's going to come up and knock them out from number one or even remotely close. But for the first time, all elite wrestling is, is just really head officially in the last couple of days. And, you know, it's one of those ones where nothing's been announced officially about who's backing it and how much money is it. But we can all read between the lines. We've, we've all seen the rumors. You know, sometimes when you just you just know what you're reading is true. You, sometimes you can put your finger on why, sometimes you can't. But what we're, what what is being leaked out is effectively you know the reality of it. And there there are it's hugely exciting. You know, they've got the the biggest names outside WWE. These names, you know, being the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, guys like that, who are bigger than probably arguably, you know, arguably what maybe ten percent of the WWE roster are hotter than them worldwide at the moment. Um, You've got huge amounts of money from a genuinely wealthy financial backer who's not being, you know, taken as a money mark. He's been looking to do this for a long, long time. Uh, he's finally found the right vehicle to invest in. Um, it feels like a moment in time, and I've said this before, but you know, the, the fate of Cody and the books specifically in this will they won't they go to WWE with the New Japan show coming up at uh, Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. These three are the most important three individuals in wrestling in the last 20 years. I'm not saying the most, the best or the most impressive or the biggest pay-per-view shifters or whatever, but these three at this moment are the most pivotal in changing the business going forward. That's a very fair point, and that doesn't mean to say that we think they're going to change the world for the good or for the bad. It's just they are, they have potential to change the industry. I think yeah. it's a fair, in the same way. I think it would be a fair thing to say that one of the most important people in the industry over the last fifteen years has been Jeff Jarrett. You know, because yeah. of what he because of what he did with TNA. Now they may have become the biggest in the world. They may have only lasted three months. As it is, they've kind of they've talked along for you know, you know the best part of a decade and a half, and actually made very little quote unquote impact. But you know, at different times they've had the potential too. There's been another place for for people to work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we're not always necessarily saying that you know that Cody is going to be a billionaire inside 18 months, God, no. and we're not and we're not also saying that this is going to be a, you know a one hit wonder, one show thing, and then all three will be on Survivor Series by the end of the year. We're just saying that there's a a landscape shifting uh, moment right now, which is the first time this has happened since I would say since the formation of both TNA and Ring of Honor, I believe, in 2001. I'd, I'd go so, back way further, to be honest, mate. I would, I would go back. I'd say there's never been a more seismic moment in terms of the launch of a new promotion. Which, you know, the, the, the key things about Ring of Honor and TNA, which obviously came very close to each other, Ring of Honor had the real buzzy, buzzworthy talent there, Loki there, Brian Danielson, um, who else was there right from the very start? I'm struggling to think now. Um, yeah, the Briscoes, I think, were there from pretty there much was a, the start. There was a few others, but they were really, really right there. Um, you're huge. Christopher Daniels was the other one I'm trying to think of. Massive names within the indie wrestling scene, but the indie wrestling scene was un- uncomparable to what it is now. You know, True. back then, if I'd have told you the biggest stars in indie wrestling would have T-shirts in Hot Topic in hundreds of locations around the US, would be part of the biggest merchandising line in the in the world in you know in terms of those what they're called Funko Pops. Um, they've done a 10,000 seat arena show within the last four months you would have called me an idiot so the difference between the hot talent there to be and the fair hot I, do massive, you you do. I do call you an idiot you do well, yeah, yeah. you'd have called me that for that specific reason yeah, yeah. the other difference is that uh, Jeff Jarrett 
relatively speaking, did not have a pot to, pot to piss in when it came to starting up TNA. And without Dixie Carter and her family's money coming in about six months in, TNA would have been gone. True. Ring of Honor, similarly, were scrapping show to show in the same way that you or I could start off an indie promotion now uh, and we'd have the same bankroll as Ring of Honor when they started. Um, the difference being is that AEW have got $100 million and the family that owns the Jacksonville Jaguars Fulham FC and recently tried to buy Wembley Stadium backing them. That, to me, is more... This The only comparable moment to me is Ted Turner coming into, you know, and turning WC, uh, NWA into WCW. It's... It, um, like you said earlier, you, you put the disclaimer in it, we're not making the prediction that this will change the world, but this is the first time in, what, 30, 35 years that it could change the wrestling world. Already, within 10 minutes or 15 minutes of our uh, return, we've got slightly off topic because we're uh, going to cover, <laughs> cover some of these things uh, in the uh, in the in the, the rest of this podcast. What we here's I'm going to lay out what we intend to do both today and in terms of the next little run. So um, we'll explain in a little second uh, just who Paul and I are, where we've been, what we've been up to, what our position is right now. Um, but in terms of our podcast going forward, we like I said before, we intend we intend to be here at least from now until WrestleMania. We'll call it a little season of the podcast, which we'll commit to to doing a regular podcast from now until at least uh, the start of April and we'll see how we go from there the main reason is because this is the time everyone gets the most excited we started the Hooked On podcast a couple of years ago I think we did one at the very end of uh, December but it it ostensibly started in January because we like this time of year Um, and it is also a time where uh, two out of our three main uh, shows in terms of our uh, our live events again which we'll talk about in in a wee second um, they take place within this section which is the Royal Rumble uh, and indeed Wrestlemania we've got that to talk about we've got lots of other things things to plug so that we don't go anywhere because we've got a lot of uh, things to get through but what we want to do as our little return for today is talk a little bit about 2018 like I said we've written uh, quite an extensive it's about two two and a half thousand word uh, little review of the year in terms of uh, your usual stuff it's not you know rocket science but your usual best performers of the year best matches all that kind of stuff we'd love to hear your feedback on my opinion Paul's opinion which as you would expect differ I think we've got nine or ten categories Paul we've agreed on one thing um <laughs> So there's, uh, or there's a couple, a couple of bits of agreement, but uh, for the for the most part we've not agreed. Um, we often come at the uh, the wrestling business from a different perspective, uh, so you'll find that. And we'd love to hear from uh, all of you for what your opinions are as well. We'll have a little chat about that next time. What we're also going to do is we're going to do a little bit of a jump ahead to this time next year. We're going to sort of do our picks for 2019 as well. Now we don't have a DeLorean at the moment, but what we can do is kind of throw our brains a little bit forward and say what do we think are going to be the candidates for winning that next year what do we think is going to be potential of the person of the year the improver of the year the show of the year you know from what we can see right now guessing at the landscape what would we predict for 2019 so that is coming up as well um but before we do that um just i want to if if people are listening in for the first time or they've they've forgotten who we are in a five-month hiatus paul just give me a very quick and i'm talking 90 seconds or less um, little rundown of uh, who you are, what your experience is, and uh, why I put myself through talking to you from time to time. <laughs> I can't explain that, but <laughs> yeah, um, okay, so I. I uh, That's plenty. Uh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a roughly 10 year veteran of trying, trying to pretend that I'm in the wrestling business. Um, I spent eight years working for an agency that represented TNA uh, and their international media rights. So essentially, when they took their programming outside the States, um, I was the 
guy responsible for, for finding those channels and getting it on air. Um, same time I work for UFC. Um, overlapping slightly, and for the past, what, ooh, five or six years now, um, I've been the, uh, I suppose, the, uh, the, the head honcho at Hooked on Wrestling, promoting our pay-per-view viewing parties and various other bits and pieces all up and down the country. Um, so that's kind of me in a nutshell, really. Excellent. What we should have just realised what we should have done is introduce one another. But now that you've um, <laughs> now that you've done yourself, I will uh, do myself as it were. Um, uh, my name my name is Robert Nickel. Uh, if you've heard me before uh, on the airwaves, it's because I used to be the uh, the host of my own podcast, which was called the One Sided Ring. Uh, I've also popped up on a few other ones at different points doing guest spots. Uh, but probably if you're most familiar with my voice, it's because of uh, Wrestlecast, uh, which I co-hosted with uh, Joel Ross from JK and Joel. Uh, for a good couple of years while I was working for The Sun Wrestling. Um, before that, the um, it was uh, Simon Rostein and Joel that did the WrestleCast. Jo- Simon was the head of The Sun Wrestling's uh, section. Uh, and when Simon moved on to work for T- TNA... What, goodness me, what was that? Big loud noise. Um, when uh, Simon moved on for... Uh, to work for TNA, I took over the Sun's wrestling section. So I worked there for several years, was the editor of it for two or three. Uh, I then went on to work for uh, the Daily Mirror for a year or two, writing a column there. And I've also done a f- few various other bits and bobs around wrestling, Fighting Spirit magazine, uh, Sports Tonight Live as TV show, and various other things. And indeed, in Hooked, Hooked on Wrestling, uh, which Paul and I put together, along with a couple of others, as a magazine a few years ago. That didn't necessarily work out, but we parlayed it into the live events, and I've hosted most of those ones in London. Well, to begin with, it was just the one, wasn't it, Paul? We just had one event, and now we've got various ones all over the country which are run on our branding, which is uh, something we're extremely proud of. And again, more of that later on to come. So what we decided a couple of years ago was to uh, we, uh, we spent enough time on the phone talking wrestling we might as well record it and see if anyone had an interest in what we had to say and remarkably from time to time some people do, do. So, so that's a couple do so thank you for both of you to, uh, uh, for listening in especially <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's nice to be back anyway and give us a quick you know, rundown Paul on why we've had a little break it's basically been to do with sort of personal circumstances as much as anything else yeah basically um We've since for people who visit us for a while know what we do for a living. Um, I had an incredibly, incredibly busy last half of the year, especially in the run up to September when we, me and the team that I work with, promoted MediaCon. But I was kind of doing the grunt work on most of that, and uh, that basically took up my life 24/7. And then obviously when that finished in September, I had a whole heap of catching up to do, um, and just could not. I was, to be honest, I found myself so completely burnt out on working in wrestling and watching wrestling that I just could not for for a spell just could not muster the enthusiasm to uh, to put a podcast together that would be worth even remotely listening to and I think that's part, of, that's part of it as well is that we've always our hook line from the sorry I shouldn't say hook our tagline on Hooked on Wrestling from yeah. the very start was this is wrestling enjoy it we've always been about the positives about this is an enjoyment uh, thing this is this is something that we all have as an escape as a hobby as an interest and goodness me enough of us spend a lot of time complaining about it so we're here for the good things in life um, we're here for the uh, the positives when we look back at old stuff we, we talk about the good stuff or at least the funny stuff and try not to dwell on um, you know, four, four hour intricate, you know, specials about the bad booking decisions because, quite frankly, we're not expert enough for that. 
and um, we know our own different places within the industry uh, Paul as he said worked for for years in terms of selling TV rights um, I've interviewed well over a hundred wrestlers I've interviewed nearly 30 world champions you know I've got a different sort of knowledge in terms of who I've uh, associated with so we do have our own uh, section of knowledge but I don't think we're quite well qualified enough to start slamming into Vince McMahon and his minions about uh, some of their decisions we will of course on occasions have our own little uh, spokes to uh, to throw in but uh, for the most part we're just trying to have some fun with this and that is what we do when we come to different places for our live events and very quickly Paul um, we've got uh, well Wrestle Kingdom coming up this Friday which is in Leeds uh, and London we'll more about that in a, in a little bit but uh, our biggest event in January is certainly the Royal Rumble tell us a little bit about what Hooks on Wrestling is doing for the Royal Rumble oh well what we're doing we're doing the usual um, covering the country with the best pay-per-view crowds um, the viewing parties that you've ever experienced we've got 12 venues I think that's right I'll just double check it's a long time since I'm out of practice with this plug-in marketing. Well, yeah, 12 venues up and down the country um, where we're going to be airing the Royal Rumble live in various bars with crowds of dozens, tens, hundreds of fellow wrestling fans. Um, not just that, we'll be putting on a, pay, a special pub quiz as uh, a lot of people it's the highlight of the night the uh, WWE or wrestling themed pub quiz we're going to be playing wrestling tunes all night we're going to have a cosplay contest with our special guest hosts it's basically the only way of experiencing a great pay-per-view atmosphere without being there if you're used to watching pay-per-views sat on your sofa sitting in bed munching on a pizza or in my case potting on a whiskey forget all that get involved get down to your local party and it will revolutionise how you watch these big pay-per-views I wonder what you were going to say there, Pot and Newland or something. That <laughs> <laughs> wasn't an Office reference. No, for fans of The Office. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, we're really looking forward to the Royal Rumble. We'll be doing, what will we, what will we be, our eighth Royal Rumble? Seventh Royal Rumble? Let me, all right. No, Trying to work out how many. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Wow, seventh. Seventh. I think that was six, I think. But, no, I think 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, Oh, because it's 19. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, here's me on the very premise of this podcast, forgetting that we're actually in 2019. Cool. So, yeah, it'll be our we, we, our first ever uh, live. One of these was uh, was for a Royal Rumble. Uh, now six years ago, and that, that's why it'll be our seventh uh, Royal wow. Rumble. Uh, and that was at, uh, at Belushi's in Shepherd's Bush with about three weeks' notice, and we managed to get about 70 or 80 people in the building. These days, it's a bit of a different proposition. Um, we've had. You know, upwards of four, five, six hundred in some of our bigger venues. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's something we're very proud of. It's something we've had great fun with over the years, and we've managed to to tweak it now to the extent where we're we're, we're pretty. Um pretty well versed in putting these on finding the right people to host them and uh, and doing our thing so we hope that you'll come along and, uh, and join us and if you're someone that either skipped SummerSlam or came along to SummerSlam and, and found such uh, such low numbers <laughs> listen we apologise for them being a bit uh, a bit low key but we can only uh, we can only work with what WWE are offering us and at, the, at that time people weren't really interested in SummerSlam but it is important to note Paul as of this we are talking on Wednesday the 2nd of January we are still about three and a half weeks away from the Royal Rumble or so is that right maybe a bit more than that Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. and uh, we are basically without going into details on the numbers we're pretty much on par for last year in terms of ticket sales so far aren't we yeah we are we sold 2,000 tickets just shy for Royal Rumble um, 2018 and we are within a handful of tickets I can't remember it's a few more or a few less of that of the number at the equivalent point last year so yeah it's going to be banging it's going to be some big nights we've got some great old venues we've got some that we're returning to um, we've got a couple of new ones as well. It's going to be superb. 
we try not to bang on about um, the capitals, and we, we understand that we've got fans all over the country that uh, are interested in wrestling, interested in WWE, and indeed on Hooked On. Uh, but traditionally, our biggest show uh, in terms of numbers drawn have been the ones in London. So uh, we are at a new venue, Paul. What are you fitting with? I can just hear noise in the background. How, my, it seems like some elves have been into my bloody office since we last did this podcast and massively upgraded the sound quality on my headphones. I used to be able to basically do what I wanted with my hands while I was doing these podcasts before. <laughs> now yeah. I can't even... I was just trying to put a little little sort of plastic box that I'd eaten a chocolate out back together oh, before stop. I put it in the bin. I can't even do that. Heaven stop. forbid. Stop fiddling and give me your full attention. I think I think I'm going to have to do this um, podcast on a little airbed in future, so there's just no movement at all of any creaking parts or anything like that. So yeah. I'll bear that in mind for next week. But sorry, go on. We, we've, all, we've, all got a, we've all got a few creaking parts. <laughs> um, no, I was saying that our uh, by no means our sole focus, but um, certainly our biggest drawing show traditionally. Although being under a bit of um, bit of contest this year Glasgow and Manchester doing pretty well in the early stages to try and be our uh, uh, biggest show for the Royal Rumble but London is typically the biggest show and I just wanted to make a, a point of saying we're at a brand new venue that we're very excited about yeah we can't wait now, we've never had an event where London hasn't been our biggest um, although I will say Wrestlemania last year uh, Glasgow ran it extremely close extremely close so um, no so I'm, I'm lying that was Royal Rumble last year that Glasgow Rumble ran it last year, that's yeah right, that's yeah. right um this time for London we are we, well we are about as central as you could possibly be we are right around the corner from Buckingham Palace right around the corner from the House of Parliament no that's not true Buckingham Palace right next to Falk Square right next to Piccadilly Circus we're in Riley's at Haymarket which is one of the most famous iconic sports bars in London um, it's absolutely brilliant to be back in such a central cool brand newly refurbished venue if anybody went there while it was the old um, sports cafe it was good but what they've got there now absolutely blows socks off it they spent about £900,000 on upgrading everything last year you've got the biggest 4k screen in London you've got great seating you've got screens everywhere you've got brilliant sound VIP areas it is absolutely mega we are really, really looking forward to it. And we want to say very quickly, um, we have loved our previous venues. Um, Belushi's did us a great term when we were starting out. Uh, we had a couple of fantastic years at, uh, at Walkabout Temple, which I think we, we, oh. would, never have we would never have left no. until un unless they had uh, uh, changed the, the manner of the bar and it was no longer appropriate for, uh, for wrestling shows. And we've had some fun out at the Clapham Grand, which is a really cool venue with a, a very unique look. Um, but quite frankly, we want to be back in the centre um, we want to be right in the heart of London and uh, we've got this opportunity to uh, to work with Riley's and as Paul said it's a great venue it's a great location easy to get to easy to get away from uh, and we, we really can't wait so um, we'll talk more about those sorts of things as, as the weeks progress towards uh, the Royal Rumble um, and indeed we'll, uh, we'll go through maybe a little bit later in the podcast all of the venues uh, and indeed how you can get your uh, tickets to all the shows if you want to do that while we're talking uh, Paul will give you the uh, the uh, as he squeaks his chair leaning backwards um, oh, he, he will give you the uh, the ins and outs uh, on how you can follow us on social media and where you can have a look for more information while we're talking oh, let's do this Rob but yeah if you want to follow us on social media we are at facebook.com forward slash hooked on wrestling we're also on instagram at hooked on wrestling and uh, HO underscore wrestling on Twitter. If you want to buy tickets, um, you can get tickets from hookedonevents.co.uk, you can get it from ringsiteworld.co.uk, uh, or you can go to our new ticket site, um, which is Ticket Taylor, and the uh, URL for that is buytickets.at 
forward slash hooked on events. There you go. And now I'll ask Paul to uh, repeat all of that in a little while and he'll uh, he'll do so with flying colours. I need to, this is like pre-season for us in a way. We're making some mistakes and uh, uh, falling into some old traps, but we need to get ourselves match fit again. <laughs> get some rid of some of the ring rust, as, uh, as the JR used to, used to say quite a lot. I used to like that expression, the, uh, the ring rust. Um, okay, uh, let's have a little chat about... Um, about 2018 in specifics, as in uh, what were some of our uh, categories. We won't go through every category and every pick, because that's why we wrote the article for the website, Paul. Um, but was there, of all the categories that we had to cover, so we did, you know, whizzing through, we did best best male um, performer, best female. This is for, for WWE in total, so this is not the, the wrestling world uh, as a whole. This is specifically WWE, but that does include, in our minds, uh, NXT and the, the, other, the, the other brands that are around. So... Um, we had to honestly, mate. What are you doing? Absolutely <laughs> nothing different from normal. I'm going to sort. Of, I literally am going to have to do this from a padded cell next week, right. which is what you've fight, driven to me after driven me to after just 30 minutes. 30 minutes into getting back to podcasting, we're going to already planning to get into a padded cell. And, uh, Thanks, Rob. Cheers. Hell, hell in a padded cell coming to you soon <laughs> on the hooked on passes. I'm really sorry. I'm just I'm I'm speaking for the listener who is wondering why you appear to be building some sort of car. <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. Literally, I am doing nothing different from our last run, but it just, just I have absolutely no idea why it's so sensitive. I think there's, we've got some microphones set up to work on between here and next week. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Um, we, we are talking about the best male uh, performer, the best female performer, uh, the best tag team, the best match of the year, the best event, the best moment, the best talker, the most improved, and the best of British. Well, that was the one category where we opened it out to, uh, to any uh, organisation and territory. Um, was there one in particular, Paul, that you found really, really difficult um, you know, because it was such a difficult um, running in the, in the field. There were so many great options or so many poor options. And was there another one where you went, "That's easy. That's that one." What were the what were your sort of highlights in terms of how you put your list together? Um, I think the two toughest ones, and frankly the most depressing ones to do, were the, the male wrestler of the year, um, which I just couldn't make a solid case for. No, not a cast iron case for anyone on the main roster. Um, so I dipped down into NXT and deservedly so. But I think the most depressing one was um, pay-per-view of the year. Uh, if you yeah. just look at the main roster for that, zero, nothing. Nothing inspired me. Um, there was some good, but there was nothing more than good. Um, so once again, NXT saved the day. Um, in terms of the most exciting one, I think, I suppose you'd, you'd have to look at how easily the, uh, the words came to me to decide which one I was most excited about. And I guess... Um, you'd have to pick between match of the year and um, and British wrestler of the year uh, to see which ones I was most excited about awarding. Well, I think it's um, let's just stop on best match of the year because it is the one um, it is the one where we agreed. It's, it's the only one where we agreed. Um, and you, you basically to let in daylight upon magic. Paul wrote his uh, choices and sent them over to me, and then I wrote mine. But I was it wasn't going to affect me how I made my selections but it was interesting to see how we differed uh, and when that one came in I was able to say yep I, I agree um, so since you did it first talk us through what the decision you made for best match of the year well um, it was a really tough decision um, very quickly when I was thinking about this it became obvious that if I were to write a top 10 9 at least if not 10 of those 10 would be from NXT uh, because the match quality in the big specials and on the weekly shows the, the takeover specifically actually 
is just leaps and bounds ahead of anything that, um, that the main roster's put out this year. Um, so when you look at NXT itself, there were so many standout performances. Um, I suppose the one I thought I'd award it to when I sat thought about it would be one of the Gargano Ciampa matches, but instead I went with uh, January's um, Andrade Cien Almas versus Johnny Gargano match, which not only for just the amazing, amazing ring work, but also the, the way it told the story, both in the context of the match but in the wider feud for those two guys and in the wider careers of both of them, it was so layered. Um, it's about as perfect a wrestling match as you're ever going to get. Mm-hmm. I would, I would you know, agree very wholeheartedly to the point where, like I say, it's the only category on which we actually went with the same choice. Um, I think that uh, it had lots of different facets that you can point to as being an excellent wrestling match because as consumers of the product what we should mostly do is just be entertained by it um, and so there are plenty of times where there's something brilliant that happens for half an hour and you just go that was absolutely fantastic but where does it go after that you know what what impact does it have on everyone else going forward and that, I'm not saying it's necessarily a knock on let's say Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker for example right absolutely wonderful match by two people towards the end of their career um, in a stellar careers than it was and I'm not knocking them for their matches because I still think that they're two of the greatest matches of all time but they were matches on their own and, and it affected very little else. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Whereas Gargano, you know, already had this reputation of being, you know, the kind of the NXT version of Daniel Bryan, the, the hardworking, beloved babyface telling this story of not being quite able to get there and having the sort of the ghost of Champa on his shoulder. That was a great story. But the way he built up to having that you know, title match was um, you know believable that he could win it. Almas wasn't necessarily taken totally seriously as the champ. There was maybe a moment where you know after having champions like you know Samoa Joe and Seth Rollins and Finn Balor and various different people like that that had been champ. You know Almas not necessarily seen on that level, but he certainly proved that he could go with anyone during that match. So I think it hugely helped Almas's credibility at that point. Certainly. Yeah, solidified Gargano's took you through a wonderful story. I know I didn't know who was going to win. I think that's a very important point as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. you watch it and you think, well, it's going to be a good match, but they're blatantly going to have so and so win, um, and you you know didn't really know which way it would go. Almas pulls out the win, and then afterwards you get the angle with Champa returning and, and laying him out as well. And I know that's not part of the match, but it's still part oh, of the overall pre- it's still part the overall of the presentation. presentation. It counts. And, and I thought the whole thing was almost flawless and and I think sometimes you have to take in you know context you know I would often refer to a uh, here we go folks first football reference of the new era of the <laughs> podcast um I would often refer to if someone has a you pick a man of the match you know for a game or to do it in American sports parlance an MVP don't you well specifically in in when you say an MVP in, in America they call it the most valuable player I wouldn't necessarily say that when I pick a man of the match for a game that it's necessarily the best player on the pitch. But let's say that someone has been out of the game for a year um, and comes back and plays okay, but in the last minute gets the winning goal and the team wins 2-1. To me, that guy gets the man of the match. He might not have been the best player on the day, but it's his story. He's the story of the day. And I think there's been a couple of my selections where I've not necessarily said, you know, like my best male performer, for example, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that this guy is the best male performer but I looked at a year where you know AJ Styles hasn't had his best year Daniel Bryan's not had his best year John Cena's not had his best year Brock Lesnar's not had his best year you know I'm not saying they've had bad years but I'm saying they've not had good years um, but I picked Drew Drew McIntyre 
Drew McIntyre is my male performer of the year because I basically went well where was he this time last year he was doing okay in NXT where was he two years ago well he was nowhere you know he was doing well in, he was doing well in TNA but he was still you know the forgotten man remember that chosen one that flopped in 3MB well you know a year on from last year where he was in NXT you know he's debuted it wasn't night after mania wasn't it was that when he debuted um, uh, yeah or, I think it was around there. Yeah. and he's just had the most fantastic six or eight months um, in just how he's performed, how he's been looked at. I think he carries himself like a star, whether he never used to. And as I've written in the piece, to me, he's about a foot taller than he used to be. Now, I know he's not physically bigger, but there's something about the stature in which he carries himself now that he feels like a big guy. Yeah. You know, when he came back with Ziggler, it felt like he was like a Kevin Nash sort of figure. And I thought, I don't ever remember thinking of him as like a seven-footer. And I know he's not anywhere near that. He's probably about six five, six six, but that's still a big guy. But I never thought of him as being like the same size as like a Sheamus or, a, you know, a Kane or anyone like that. But he looks massive now. and just. But it's about how he carries himself, about his, how his shoulders are up and the authority in his voice. And, you know, just all of these things. I just think he's had such a good year. And he is a legitimate contender next week we'll start doing a bit more you know Raw Rumble um, hype and, and going forward but I think right now he's going to be in the conversation he is a legitimate contender for us to say is Drew McIntyre going to win the Royal Rumble and that is absolutely unthinkable even a year ago let alone two or three years ago so for example I am not saying he is a better wrestler than AJ Styles I'm not saying he's had a, even had a better year than say Seth Rollins you know in terms of what they've, what they've produced every week but I am saying in terms of what wrestling is about it's about drawing money it's about getting people into the building it's about getting TV ratings it's about all those kind of things and I think um, Drew McIntyre has had a, a, a banner year in terms of getting himself to a position where next year he really could be a huge force I 100% agree with everything you said um, but I think you've, you've put it into the wrong category could not agree more in terms of wrestler of the year uh, sorry oh, here we go most improved wrestler of the year but I think you've, you've spent the whole last two minutes talking about what he could become really and where he's come from I think he's got a long way to go to be rest of the year, but I think he's unquestionably on the right track. And uh, when, we do I, our, when we do our previews for next year and our predictions for next year, I think I'll, I'll bear that out. Can I give you a, a brief rebuttal to that? Mm. Is that I don't, the reason I didn't put him down as most improved was partly because I had someone else uh, in front of him, and I'll tell you that is in a second. Um, but also, although I did, I acknowledge that. Um, you know, had I picked someone else for best male wrestler, then he may have gone into the best improved category. Yeah. But actually, I'm not thinking about it. I'm not certain how much he improved as opposed to was positioned so much better and started to believe in himself a bit more. You know, I think he probably had the tools before this, but, you know, he's actually been positioned better. I picked as my most improved. I picked, I picked Ronda Rousey because this time last year, she'd never had a wrestling match before. Fair, fair. And, and to me, to improve from nothing to a credible champion and main eventer, I think that is a, a more marked, uh, you know, climb up a hill. And I know, I know you picked her for for best female of the year, and I and I went with Becky. So you know, that's obviously where we've uh, we've differed a little bit there. I just think that with Drew, like, well, in his first run round with WWE, I could not have cared less. I, there was a few people telling me how good he was, and I just could not see it for the life of me. Um, when he was the chosen one, when he was. Intercontinental Champion all the way through to 3MB couldn't see it the minute he hit the independent team it was as if a light bulb went off literally I remember him coming into ICW weeks after he left WWE and I was like oh hang on 
this guy actually does have something and then he built that and he built that went into TNA built upon it some more looked like a really credible genuine main eventer came back to NXT fully deserved to be thrust straight into the main event but even then felt like he was just treading water he did not feel like he was long for that brand and you're right when he came back into, into WWE he felt like a different guy he felt dangerous and he felt credible and I think the switch has turned in that performer I think he's completely when he left WWE it was the best thing that could ever happen to him and he just completely understood exactly what he is you're right he feels a foot taller he feels more credible he feels he looks I remember in fact i tell you what I went to um, the NXT show in Leeds about oh, I want to say about 12 months ago I'm not, I'm not too sure on the timeline but the main event was uh, Drew McIntyre against Bobby Roode and oh my gosh it felt like a proper wrestling match between two strong credible champion, championship caliber competitors and Drew McIntyre just owned that ring in terms of his presence as a babyface at the time and obviously now he's translating that as a heel as well and I was also in the building for the Raw tapings in November I want to say where he faced Kurt Angle in the main event and went over Kurt Angle clean and again it just felt like the, this guy is born to be in that position um, but all credit in the world to Drew McIntyre obviously it looks like the push that he's going to get is going to befit the effort he's put in and the change he's made I just think it's a, a year premature to slot him in his wrestler of the year Okay, that is definitely something we're going to come back to very shortly then. Uh, just finally on the uh, the 2018 predictions, like I said, we won't go into too much more depth. If you want to find out why I disagree with Paul's choice of the Undisputed Era being the Tag Team of the Year so vehemently, if you want to discuss any of the uh, NXT TakeOver events as being the, the, the show of the year, um, Paul went with, which one did you go with? Uh, NXT New Orleans. Not only did I go to show of the year, show, all-time show. Yeah, so Paul went with that one. I actually went with, again, it's more of a context thing. I'm not necessarily saying that if I had to put one on tomorrow to watch again uh, that I wouldn't go with one of the NXT shows, but I picked uh, WWE Evolution because I just felt there was, uh, you know, it was a real moment in time for the for the females to have their own pay-per-view, and I felt at the time it was a marketing gimmick, and I was wrong because it was a really good show backed up by, you know, a fan... Well, I, I called them the Becky Charlotte match the main event it wasn't quite the main event was it it was second to last right. but it was still a really 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 great match that people will talk about for a long time um, so I thought they came through and I thought that was enough to give them the uh, the pay-per-view of the year um, the one uh, one thing um, I want to quickly talk about um, with you just now I should say the other categories were best talker um, we had a little bit of uh, we went with different people on that one I went with Daniel Bryan uh, you, you, you were with Becky on that one weren't you I think uh, no the Miz Oh, the Miz, of course, that's right. Becky yeah. was your was your improver. Um, yeah, the Miz was a good call as well. Um, I went with Daniel Bryan because of how he's managed to, you know, get everyone to to boo him, which I think is a real a real impressive feat. Um, and we also talked about the uh, our Brit of the year, and um, we we went across all um, categories to that one. Didn't have to be just someone in WWE, but we found that we had so so many to choose from. So you know that would be a, a really interesting one that we'd love to hear from you in terms of you know who have you offered. Um, Paul went with Pete Dunne who of course continues to impress and is you know, a great all round talent that's fitting really well in NXT UK and in the NXT brand as, as a whole um, I looked a bit elsewhere I went to Japan I was kind of down to uh, to either Marty or um, Will Ospreay and I've chosen Ospreay ultimately 
Um, but uh, I think there's any one of about 10 or 12 candidates from, you know, the British scene um, from NXT UK. <laughs> well, throw in Drew there again. He's still the same true? talent. <laughs> yeah. um, even even though he's been in there for that. a long time. To, uh, to the world of sport guys, NXT UK, uh, people on the indie scene, all sorts. There are so many contenders. Uh, it's been absolutely tremendous. So uh, we'd love to hear particularly some of your thoughts on, on that category. And we'll have a chat about uh, some of those other things next week. But the last one I want to talk about in terms of 2018, because um, I look at this from a partly a, a newsy perspective uh, as much as the uh, the entertainment value, it is moment of the year. And I'd like to put across what I said first, um, because I made a point when I was writing to say I would not necessarily put in a superlative uh, on the beginning so I'm not saying it is the best moment of the year I'm not saying it's the worst moment of the year I'm not saying it's the favourite or the greatest or anything like that I am just saying it is the moment of the year because of its impact on everything and I am saying it was Roman Reigns um, announcing his leukaemia uh, and the reason for that is clearly that's not the best or favourite moment of the year goodness me I'm not that heartless um, but what I think it was I think it was an incredibly brave thing to do um, the way he did it, the dignity he showed in doing it, particularly given his hardships in standing in front of a crowd. Listen, it would take a pretty heartless crowd to boo cancer or you know boo a guy with cancer, but um, you know fans can still sometimes miss the point. Anyway, he was wonderful in the way he did it. Um, the reaction was um, something to behold. Um, but more and more more than that, if you take out just the all emotion away from it, just you know forget what what the situation is. If you simply say Roman Reigns goes away. That's all you're saying in the, in the short term. That is WWE losing the man that Vince has basically built his brand around for the last three to five years. Um, it is a huge moment for them to lose him. They have to change all their plans, you know, regarding what they're about to do for the rest of the year. But not only that, if and when, and I hope it's when, and I hope it's sooner rather than later, he returns, we have a completely and utterly different man on our hands. Not just in terms of his ability, but how he's going to be seen by the fans, how he's going to be treated in storyline. I think that was an absolutely seismic moment in, in, the, in the 2018 of WWE, but also in the 2019-20, however many years into the future, you know, that is, of course, with the uh, the prerequisite that he's able to return to the ring, which I'm very confident he will be able to. Yeah, I think I can't argue with your choice, given your given your arguments and the way the way you approached it. I went with uh, Becky uh, Becky Lynch storming into Raw with her attack on Ronda Rousey and a an already iconic image with her blood covering her face with her arms raised aloft well by her sides actually sort of the old raven pose um, I just think that you, you, there's certain moments that you can look back on um, in due course and you can see uh, that was when that star was made obviously the, the obvious one is uh, Austin 316 after he won the King of the Ring I think Becky Lynch is going to become um, it's not, not a huge prediction it's not, it doesn't take a big leap of faith to say she's going to be a massive star um, and I think they really, really genuinely want to get behind her as this stone cold figure, this rebel. Um, and I think we can look back at that night when she attacked Rousey and when she got punched in the face by Nia Jax that will say, yep, that was the one. That was what made that huge star what she is today. Um, and it, the electricity involved in that was just, I've not seen it on TV, TV for years. So I, that gets my vote. It feels like, doesn't it, when... You know when they do those clip shows of Raw and you get things like, you know, Austin driving into the building on the Zamboni. Yeah. Um, DX storming Nitro. Um, you know, 
Santa Claus getting stunned by you know Stone Cold or him throwing the rock. All these are Austin moments. Throwing you know um, the rock's title off the bridge or what? What else is there? Those other kind of things that have happened. Yeah. You know, some of the DX stuff when they were you know first around. All the, I mean, we're going attitude era stuff there, but there's been loads of things that have happened on Raw over the years where you know they're always featured on the. Uh, you know, the raw rundowns, of course, Punk's big promo, the whole pipe bomb thing, and um, maybe the Nexus, you know, doing all the thing where they wreck the ring, all the different things over the years which are going to constantly be come back, you know, and, and thought of as great raw moments. I think she's in that category. I think of all the things that happened this year, that's probably the one where, especially if she stays, you know, around for a few years, if they do, you know, they are able to be successful with her and she becomes a big star, then I definitely think, yep, on all of her highlight reels or all of the, the things talking about Monday Night Raw, that is a moment which is going to be in people's minds for years and years to come. Yeah, and more so than just herself, I think it was the moment that the women's division properly arrived, you know during the last couple of years depending on your view, either cynically or creditably, um, pushing a bunch of firsts for the women's division, it's the first Hell in a Cell match, it's the first Royal Rumble match it's the first all-female pay-per-view and it's all felt kind of forced um, it's kind of been there just to be able to say they've done these first things when the, the very interesting thing to me was when we came to TLC last month and it was the first ever TLC match um, in the women's division it was Becky it was Asuka and it was Charlotte not only that but it main evented the show on a mixed mixed gender pay-per-view and it was never brought up as an important thing people just accepted that that was the main event because it mm -hmm. was and it wasn't yeah. because they were women and it wasn't because of the women's revolution it was because it was the best and the most important match on the card and Becky Lynch for I don't know how she's done it exactly but she's kind of threaded all of that together she's kind of been that missing ingredient in the credibility of the women's division and now going forward people are talking about her and talking about these fuses she's having and the players in that division not because they're women and not because it's historic but because it's the best thing on WWE TV and she this six month period could go down as so so important it could be the time when we stop looking at the women's division as this glorified PR stunt and it becomes the best thing going and in, in a year's time if we're looking well, let's not go that far. If we go to WrestleMania and we get Becky Lynch and then Ronda Rousey, good uh, luck hold, finding hold, a main event that can push hold that, that forward. Thought. Hold that thought, because that's how I want to take us into the uh, into the 2019 stuff. But while we're on the uh, okay. uh, the women's division, um, I think you make such a good point in terms of if you get told something's important, it almost I won't say it immediately ceases to be, but it's you need to not be told, don't you? You need to feel it. It's a little bit Correct. like, do you know how? Michael Cole will always say, will always call it the prestigious United States Championship, you know, or, or yeah. something like that. They would, they would, oh, he would often say it so often. He go, well, if you have to call it prestigious, it probably isn't. Like, no one ever says the prestigious FA Cup, do they? The prestigious Olympics. No, true. The prestigious Grand National. Do you know what I mean? Do people just accept that these things are made? The pretty, you know, I can't even say the word now. I've stopped, said it so often, it's stopped making any meaning. But you know, but it's no one ever says, you know, the um, that about the the Super Bowl. It just it's mm. everyone just knows that these are massive things. They never say it about WrestleMania because it's bloody WrestleMania. But sometimes they say it about lesser things to try and make you think something of it, and it never ever works. And it's it, you're so right. Just just saying something's a first for the sake of things is all you know pretty much irrelevant 
what matters so much more is how people react to stuff and you are so right that people were not saying you know I almost wanted to say to you you know let's not put you know best male and best female performer this year let's just put best performer mm. because I because I, I might still have gone I probably still would have gone for Becky Lynch obviously you went for Ronda Rousey so it kind of killed that um that that way of doing it but I'm just saying that you know we could have gone with it and you know partly the, the joke about her referring to herself as the man and, and all that as well but um I just think she's had such a big year and she I think if you reach if you change the question if it was one of the questions in our sheep quiz more that later um if you said who is the performer in the company you are most excited about watching right now I think she would be the answer and yeah. I think that and I think that is a big indicator but no one's ever said you know which of the women are you most interested in watching? If you just said, who are you most interested in watching? I think it's her. And I think if you say, what is the match right now you think will happen at WrestleMania that you're most excited about, I think it's Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch. Now, listen, knowing WWE, they're not always in tune. You know, Vince and Stefan Hunter and their you know, near, new era last week or two weeks ago on Raw, besides, they're not always in tune with the people. And it wouldn't shock me if they went with Ronda Rousey versus um, Becky Lynch at, I don't know, Fastlane or whatever it is, the the, the, the show before Mania, right. and they end up doing WrestleMania with Ronda Rousey versus, you know, Shayna Baszler or something different because they just don't quite get it. But, um, you know, or Ronda Rousey versus Stephanie McMahon or something. Yeah. Um, you know, they could do that. It wouldn't shock me for them to go in a different direction. But I do think, you know, if you if you forced me on a on a betting level to say will they or won't they go with that match I think they will and I think they should and I think they've almost lucked out with it because they were going to do it a little while earlier and actually Becky got injured and they couldn't so they've ended up with a better angle than they would have had in the first place um, but it, it, it brings us then let's, let us parlay what we were talking about and we're now doing the 2019 awards so it is now effectively um, the 2nd of January 2020 we're looking back on uh, the last year of action um, do you think A we will look back on a Wrestlemania that says that it headlined with Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch and B do we think that's going to be in the in the conversation for match of the year well I'm confident that we're going to get a great match out of some combination of those guys at Wrestlemania unlike you I don't I don't there's any fear of WWE being so tone deaf that they're going to plug in Ronda against um, against Stephanie McMahon or the like I think that there's two options on the table the option that everyone wants to see that we're talking about and that certainly the one I want to see is Becky Lynch one-on-one -on -one against Ronda Rousey that's where the money is that's where the heat is the other option which I fear we might get which isn't a terrible one but it's um, it's the triple threat it's Becky, Ronda and Charlotte it seems where things are heading at the moment um, and we know how fond WWE are of getting all those in and I can see the argument for inserting Ric Flair's daughter into their and their, their marquee homegrown uh, wrestler as well I can see the argument but I, I, I am not alone in thinking Becky and Ronda is, is the best option and I honestly think that whatever the two they go for A we're going to get a great match B, we're going to get phenomenal reactions. And C, it's going to be the main event. How anyone could top um, any combination of those three in the current climate, I just don't see it. I think that for the first time ever, you know, we've all speculated for a long time, will a women's match ever main event WrestleMania? And five years ago, that just seemed ludicrous. Just seemed a million miles away. This time last year, 
kind of seemed okay, kind of seemed like it might be a possibility, but it still felt like it might be a forced gimmick. This year, if that's the match, it's Becky Ronda certainly, but the triple threat maybe. If that's the match, that is the main event. That is the main event. And I tell you what's made me more confident, um, of A, the one-on-one, and B, that it's going to be the main event, is this, this week on SmackDown, seeing how they use John Cena to completely and massively put over Becky Lynch. To me, that is a real endorsement. The way they had her... Th- match up with Cena on the microphone before the match stand up to him look his equal and then throw him out of the ring for the finish and then have Cena look at all like fair play to you that was such a huge endorsement from Cena from Vince from the entire WWE and I think it shows that they would be totally happy with putting her in the main event at Wrestlemania it's bizarre to think but yeah I think, I think I, I'm, I'm saying Becky Lynch Ronda Rousey main event at Wrestlemania and yeah potential match of the year Right, I'm not done with the questioning about uh, about those two, but since you mentioned um, SmackDown, I feel we ought to bring that up briefly because um, I'm not sure when we'll talk about this again, and it's one of those things that could get lost in the shuffle. Um, John Cena being in that position to do that, I sort of feel like there's not many people in John Cena's position over the years that would have done that kind of thing. As in, be prepared to return... Because he's been away a wee bit, and he's not been, you know... You know, the, the Cena that we've known over the last 10, 15 years in terms of dominating, winning matches every week. So when he's not around, you almost feel like when he comes back, he ought to be, you know, beating a, a top star or a mid-card star and reaffirming who he is and, and whatever. And actually, what they've done on um, on SmackDown this week is not only give a little bit of a, a rub to, to Vega and Almas to be in a, in a match with Cena, yep. but um, but also John Cena allows... Sorry to go a bit... Um, gender stereotyping here but John Cena allows himself to be thrown out of the ring by a woman and and, and make Becky look that good can you imagine any of Stone Cold The Rock Triple H Batista Randy Orton you know Ric Flair Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior call it whoever you are Bret Hart Shawn Michaels can you imagine any of them at any point in their career the only one I can think of is maybe Shawn in the second time round, and maybe someone like a Mick Foley might have been prepared to do it. But I can't imagine many top stars over the years would go, yep, I'm happy to be thrown out of the ring by a woman and let her have the moment rather than me. You, you're dead right. The only the only one I can sort of... And you have to kind of bend... How do I explain this correctly? You know how we always talk about how... Um, gender politics, what's acceptable and what isn't acceptable and what feels right changes over the years. You can't look back at what happens in the 70s and the 80s through the prism of today's values. Well, based based on what I'm saying there is the name that sticks out on that list you gave is Ric Flair. Right. Now, none of those guys would in, in in their heyday have been willing to do that for a woman, but most of them also wouldn't have been able to do it for a worker who was perceived to be far further down the card and far lower down the, the legendary totem pole than than they are but Ric Flair would have done Ric Flair would have sold like crazy for anyone and made them look like a star and and it sounds like a bit of a twisted way of saying it but to me like the way you know men and women have a quality in WWE now or near it's getting that way I wouldn't say it's total but it's, it's getting that way and it feels to me like that the equivalent back in the 70s and 80s in Flair's heyday was the main event in the mid-carders um, and you know we've seen there's a barrier between them in recent years and over the years and I think Flair you know if you, it sounds weird but if you took 1984 Ric Flair and put him in 2019 WWE I think he absolutely would have done possibly yeah it's a fair shout it's a fair shout but the rest but, but your, your overall point is 
on the money Cena is a class unto himself I just want to have a little extra nod for John Cena because I just think that's the kind of thing that listen I think he could say he could easily say look I'll I'll work the match with Becky I'll let her get a few verbal jabs in at me I'll let her get the better of me on the microphone but no I'm not gonna, I'm not letting her throw me out of the ring she can deceive me she can like tap me on the shoulder and run around the other side or something and run in and grab the pin but I'm not letting her throw me out of the ring that you know I, I could see that happening and actually I'm not saying I would massively blame him but you know huge credit to him for uh, for doing that and you know people they still might want to you know have a go at Cena all they like but he's still the top star of the last 15 years he's still the top star in the industry in my eyes right now you know because there's no you know I don't think there's a credible you know it never worked for Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar's not accepted by the audience and as good as you know as good a worker as someone like Seth Rollins is I still think Cena is um regarded as the top man as far as WWE are concerned so I think uh, for him to do that is uh, is a quality um, um, just one more point on the uh, on the Ronda versus Becky match from the prism of uh, the end of 2019 um, the thing is you know, the extra little uh, I don't know about it's a caveat but just on a way of looking back on the match will it affect people's view on the match if Becky were not to win you know, the, the Becky Lynch push, mm. let's call it. Well, I wouldn't even say it's a push. The Becky Lynch emergence. You know, when you start to think of the other people that have had this, you know, little... Because it is, it's a kind of unusual thing for someone to just break out of the pack almost on their own. And I can think of several people that have done it, but I can also think of very few occasions where WWE have gone, OK, let's go with it. Um mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, obviously, Austin is one that people will, you know, immediately jump at. People started to cheer the, the Steve Austin character. <coughs> Excuse me, as late, even as around about late 1996, um, yep. in terms of when they started to really catch on when he was doing the stuff with Brett, then all the way through 97, winning the Rumble in 97. But it wasn't until WrestleMania uh, in 1998, at WrestleMania 14, uh, that Austin won the title. So it, it probably took at least a year. Um, for people to really, really catch on to that. Then when you're talking Daniel Bryan, you know, obviously the the big Daniel Bryan, yes, 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 push took a long time in coming. He was teaming with Kane at one WrestleMania when that was starting to really catch on as a team. By the following year, yes, of course, he won it, but it took the backlash after him not winning the Rumble and WWE to change their plans for him to get there. I'm thinking someone else like, you know, CM Punk had the little bit of... Um, emergence there they went with him but then Jeff Hardy had that emergence a few years before and they didn't really go with him so there's there's times where they go okay we're going to roll with this and there's times where they go well actually that doesn't really you know help our plans what yeah. I'm saying is if they go with Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch at Wrestlemania you have the problem of saying here is our big star Ronda Rousey's you know first real you know, you know she wrestled at Wrestlemania last year but it was a different kind of match you know this is you know her first, you know, straight up title defense at a WrestleMania. We can't beat her. You know mm. we can't have Ronda Rousey beaten by, with all due respect to her, you know, a here today, gone tomorrow, Becky Lynch. I don't think that's, I don't think that of Becky, but they may think that that she's just having a hot run. In a year's time, she'll be back in the, you know, in the pack with everyone else. We can't put her over Ronda Rousey because Ronda's too important to us. Look, there's so many variables in play. Um, if the if the long term plan is Ronda Rousey babyface um going to be around for a long time then i think you're probably right um my hunch based on what rousey said in the past is that she's not going to be here for a huge amount of time you know maybe she'll do two years maybe three years i don't know but i think i think personally we're going to 
after WrestleMania, we're going to probably go into that four horsewomen versus four horsewomen feud. Um, and that probably requires Ronda to be a heel. Uh, can't see Shayna Baszler as a face anytime soon, can you? Um, I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> she's, she's tremendous is what she does. Quite, quite. So I, I, would, I would suggest that you've you you know you've got your years run out of Rousey as a face. I think you get another year out of her as a heel and then maybe another bit of her as a face and then and off she goes. And if that's the case, I absolutely could see Becky going over because it's a catalyst for her bringing her back up to the main roster, her bringing her MMA buddies to, to, to overwhelm Becky. Um, and then suddenly that's the way straight away you bring Charlotte back to her side um, and you make Bailey and Sasha Banks relevant again um, I think that's yeah, that's just the best guess there's no, there's, it's not based on anything but I would I see it possible that Becky wins in that main event for totality in 2019 do the women have as good a year as they did in 2018 not just in terms of the uh what they've been allowed to do that sounds patronising but you know what I mean in terms of we've had the women's rumble uh, you know we had the evolution pay-per-view are we going to see that again are we going to see both of those things again are they and are they going to be able to bring the quality this is the thing is that not only were they you know offered a, they could have been offered this opportunity you know 5, 6, 8, 10, 15 years ago but at what points would they have been ready you know if we'd have had an all female pay-per-view and you'd have been main eventing with you know Candice Michelle versus Eva um, you know or, I mean Eve Torres I mean yeah, like, yeah you know you just that isn't going to work is it and it's like you know you we're fortunate right now that we have you know a very very deep roster you know when you when you're talking like last year if you think about last year when it was coming to the women's rumble you know think how much we were talking about well, it's a nice idea for the women's rumble but where are they going to get 30 from yeah and, and they got 30 by bringing you know at least 10 you know females back so we saw you know, Molly, Holly and Trish and Lita and, you know, various others coming back, including, you know, Mrs. Undertaker coming back and throwing about five people out. Um, and even Kelly Kelly looked dominant for five minutes. And it's like they just it looked like they didn't have any trust in the ones that they had around. Now you sort of think, well, actually, they had a battle royal on the Evolution pay-per-view. So they've got they've clearly got enough just on the roster without bringing back too many legends from the past. And there's only so many times you can go back to, you know, getting a pop out of, of Trish and Lita and, and whomever. So it feels like this year they might, you know, be able to rely on the actual card that they've got themselves. You know, with probably, you know, with possibly a, a couple of, you know, ringers to bring in from, from different places. But do you think that they're going to be able to, A, have the, have the quality throughout the year and B, Will they be allowed to? This is the case. You know, is it? Are they? Is the tokenism going to run out at some point? Well, to the to the first, I'll I'll start with the Royal Rumble thing first, and I, I absolutely think you can, you could have no legends in inverted commas coming back, um, and still have a really obviously you want a couple for the sake, for the sake of, of a pot, but they've got a roster now, like you said, on the main roster where they can sustain it almost. And remember, they can supplement that with quite a few different pipelines now. You've got people like the three remaining horsewomen in NXT. You've got Bianca Belair, who is doing really well. Lacey Evans and Nikki Cross just coming to the main roster. Um, there's, there's more as well, I'm sure. Lo- uh, Io Shirai, who was in it last year, if I remember rightly. Um, then you've got NXT UK, Tony Storm, Rhea Ripley, um, uh, Bea Priestley, guys like I'm not sure if Bea, I think Bea Priestley's part of it, isn't she still? Um, there's, there's you know three or four or five girls there and then you've got all the all the uh, may young um classic competitors as well that didn't get signed you know bring a couple of the uh the more famous japanese wrestlers wrestlers over and a few of the independent wrestlers and uh, easily easily 30 um without having to plumb the depths 
um, of the mid '90s and bring back, like you say, Eve Torres or whoever else. So yeah, I think I think that's realistic. And with with the case of the of the year as a whole, I think the biggest compliment that the women could have this year is that they they have a less remarkable year than last year. It shouldn't be a massive deal that they have a Royal Rumble, and indeed it isn't. You know, they're promoting a Royal Rumble. And it's just it's just there. There is a female Royal Rumble, and that's it. Um, we're talking about a female WrestleMania main event, credibly and not as tokenism. Then you know they will have Hell in a Cell matches. They'll have Money in the Bank matches, and these will be completely normal. And and that is to me the best. When you can get to the point where it's not remarkable that they're happening, that's when they've made it. Um, Great point. Great I, point. I personally, to that end. Um, I don't see the need for an all-female pay-per-view necessarily. Sure, as a counter to the Saudi events where they're shockingly not allowed to wrestle, which I think won't be the case forever, by the way. But um, yeah, as long as those events exist, then I can see I can see why a female pay-per-view exists. But again, if we're going for true equality and you want to see them truly accepted as part of it, you don't need to give them their own pay-per-view because they can shine on WWE pay-per-views. Um, you don't, that might... but that's a, that's a little bit like, you know, it's something people will say, people that want to be oblivious to things will say, why is there a, a MOBO award? I you know, know why, it's the same why is, there, why is there a music of black, there's no music of white origin, and it's like, well, the white people haven't been oppressed for hundreds of bloody years, have they? Totally that's agree. The re- that's the reason why there's an all-female pay-per-view, because even when they are mixed pay-per-views, let's face it, if there's eight matches on a pay-per-view, there ain't four women's matches, are there? Well, no, but there should. But I think that I, I'd say that's coming. Yeah, I wouldn't I'd, say. Yeah. I wouldn't say there's any reason why there shouldn't be or should be. I'm saying, it, listen, if if the best wrestlers in the world are all men, then the matches should be all male matches. If the best match, best wrestlers in the world are all women, they should be all women's matches. It should be totally based on a meritocracy and not, you know, what you happen to have in your underpants. But it's it's but the reality we, is that we all yeah. know that's how it goes. So I think it's understandable for it to have, you know, for us to have a couple of years of of the evolution pay per view. You know, just to to make sure that it, it's almost like, you know, in the same way that people have said before about having a, you know, a, a show that's all about tag teams or a show. Oh, well, we've got 205 Live, for example. You know, the, the reason 205 Live exists is because smaller wrestlers don't get the same, you know, um, visibility as the bigger wrestlers, do they? There's no there's no 275 plus show. And it's, the, know, and it's the same thing. And I'd say it's the same, same argument. And what and I'm not not in any way making an argument to get rid of evolution this year but i'd like to get to a point where it is gone because it's not needed and that's you know and i think we're, we're on that path i think the tokenism is still there to a degree i think we won't be able to stop patting themselves on the back just yet mm-hmm. but if the women carry on in the vein that they are it'll just become i think 2019 should be the year to aim for their ascent to be unremarkable because like i say once that's happened then uh, then then they've truly arrived Yep, I agree. Yeah, so that's a that's a very good point to make. I think that's a it's a it's a very healthy way of looking at the world to just say that you know it's it's just all based on what you would expect. I always think about stuff like um you know we're of an age where the smoking ban you and I don't smoke but we're of an age where the smoking ban affected us, aren't we? In terms of yeah. you know we were you know drinking in pubs and stuff and then the, the ban came in and you know some suddenly our mates were scuttling outside for a fag rather than. Um, you know, doing it on the table next to us, and but I think our kids, you know, your Samuel in years to come is going to say, "Is it true, Dad, that people used to be allowed to smoke in pubs?" Oh, yeah. And yeah, he'll absolutely. go, and he will think it's ridiculous because when you look at it from a, from a different set of eyes that you've you've never thought about it that way, he will go, "Well, that's ridiculous that someone would be allowed to smoke indoors." Of course, they've got to go outside in the same way that we would probably say to our parents, you know, 
you, you used to drive a car without putting a seatbelt on. Yeah. Yeah, you used to, exactly. You used, to, you used to be allowed legally to drive a car after having three or four pints. It's like, it just doesn't resonate to us because we go, well, that's clearly ludicrous and it's clearly a stupid way of living. But we've been brought up that way and you would like to think, wouldn't you, that when, you know, when Samuel has his podcast in 25 years' time, he's saying, do you remember, do you remember years ago, right, in the early, you know, the early to... You know, early 20, first 20 years of the, of the 21st century sometimes the women only had like one match on the show like it, it would be a, it'd be an interesting way of looking at it wouldn't it they would go that's it's ridiculous how it took so long you know I, I love little factoids and stats and stuff and it's like you find out that a country like Swi- Switzerland didn't allow the vote for women until 1971 is that and right? Like, and that sounds absolutely bonkers, doesn't it? But it's like, there'll be plenty of other stuff that the Swiss will go, do you know the Brits do this? And like, it's, it's, everyone has their own sort of like, you, the things that you would expect of one another. And I think it's, you know, always going to be interesting to look back on a certain era and go, really? That's, it took you that long to catch on? And I, and I think, you know, it, it's, it, the time is the time is now right for us to, as you, you know, kind of put it out there, to shut up about it and just, and just talk about it in terms of a match and another match and not talk about... You know the men and the women, and just simply talk about you know the match between Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, and the match between Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey, and just you know that's just they're just two just conversations in the same in the same hole. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yep, absolutely. And I think Becky Lynch um, could well be the catalyst for that. You know, we're I think in a year's time we'll be talking about Becky Lynch as not the biggest women's star in WWE, but potentially the biggest star in WWE, and that'll yep. feel completely normal. It will, and then and throw in the fact that she refers to herself as the man, just to confuse all the just to confuse all these gender roles entirely. Yes. Um, right. Okay. It's um it's back to January twenty nine uh, twenty twenty. We're looking back over the year twenty nineteen. Uh, what other highlights do you expect, Paul? Who would you say? Okay, let's talk about the. We've just um, done the women's division there for a second. So let's say you are talking the male performer of the year 2019 who do you expect to be your your man of the year as far as WWE is concerned uh, I hope and expect my 2019 man of the year to be Drew McIntyre okay so I've, I've as we've already established in this podcast been there leapt a year ahead and then given him as my one for this year but I think it's almost like do you remember when Greg Rosetsky won sports personality of the year for getting to the Australian Open final Yep. I kind of, I kind of feel that's what I voted for Drew on this year. Is that not because he necessarily achieved anything? But in other, in other years, people won two Olympic golds and never even got in the top three. Poor old Greg was a Wimbledon semi-finalist and an Australian Open finalist and one Sports Personality of the Year. So I feel that's what I've done there. I've kind of jumped a little bit ahead on it. But so yeah, go go ahead, expand on Drew. Well, I think we've already talked about the nuts and bolts of it, but the fact is. I think uh, Drew McIntyre is, is in a great position to to make 2019 his year. He has not. He's got all the tools. You know, he's, he looks like an absolute megastar. The size, the physique, the way he carries himself, his personality. He has got such a great grasp now of who he is and who he needs to be to get to the main event. Couple that with the fact that the company are clearly behind him without rushing him. I I would be re- I would be totally unsurprised if. Uh, Drew McIntyre was the one to dethrone Brock Lesnar um, at WrestleMania. Totally unsurprised. I think that's a fair shout. I have to say that's a fair shout. And I certainly wouldn't have said that even just a couple of months ago. But, you know, we were talking talking off air, weren't we, a couple of days ago and having the chat and saying, you know, 
we'll, we'll, again in, in the future weeks the next couple of weeks to come we'll start building into our what we expect of this year's Royal Rumble what we expect in the, in the build to Wrestlemania we'll expand on that a little bit more than today but we were talking about weren't we what do you do with Brock and you know if, if you beat him when do you beat him because we're talking about you know is Braun Strowman the man to beat uh, Brock Lesnar and we were kind of saying well actually if Strowman is the man to take the belt off him why not wait until Mania to do that so why not have Strowman win the Rumble and then beat Re- Lesnar at Mania why have Strowman you know face him at, at the Raw Rumble and if he's going to beat him now it seems a strange time to take the belt off him so with all that you know taken into account if Lesnar beats Strowman again as he's beaten him before um, you know you then go to someone that Lesnar has almost then beaten the whole roster hasn't he you start to look at it and go well Lesnar's yeah. beaten everybody um, you know who is there left that he's not got to beat and the answer is actually Drew McIntyre, who wins the Rumble and, and goes on to, to dethrone um, Brock. What I will say about that in terms of a build is that, you know, I like Drew, but I still think he's kind of... He's he's a heel right now, right? I mean, it's like, you know, I know he's not necessarily clearly defined, but, you know, certainly in terms of his, his work with Balor and, and Ziggler just, you know, just recently, you know, you would more define oh, him as a heel he's than a heel. face. And so if you feel like... You feel like the person that's going to dethrone... Lesnar ought to be a babyface. So would they, would they turn him, or would they just let let the crowd do its work in the build-up to WrestleMania, knowing that the WWE crowd are more likely to cheer their homegrown guy than they are to cheer the uh, the in and out Lesnar? I think exactly that. I think you let the crowd decide. Um, the other option, if you wanted to make it that, if you want to make it more clear-cut, um, and remember, he's, as a heel, he can win the title at WrestleMania. If we're talking about the girls being on top. Um, no, I know he can. No, I, I know. Think, he, I know he can. But my point is, I think. I, I think WWE oh, I would saying. say if we're going to dethrone Lesnar, we're going to have a hero do it, not a not a. I get what you're a, saying. So, yeah. my plan B on that would be uh, Braun Strowman winning at the Royal Rumble, um, and then Drew McIntyre can destroy the other unstoppable force. It's just, I think the the impact's just as powerful, really. Um, so? You know, you, yeah, I think so. Obviously. Lesnar's run this time around is, is well, it's not even supposed to happen, is it? It was supposed to be Roman Reigns sitting with the belt now, and the impact of him having that belt is, it doesn't feel like it's very meaningful. Uh, he's been beaten, he's been toppled once, so the, the the aura that was there is now gone to an extent. He's not, you know, if if would have been if he'd have sat there and beaten Roman Reigns at SummerSlam and we were still on that initial reign, then I might have a different opinion, but. Yeah, if Braun Strowman beats him at Royal Rumble and then they build up the big two monsters, one a face, one a heel, at WrestleMania, I think I think it's, there's, there's every power in Drew McIntyre winning that. Yeah, I don't mind that, actually. I don't mind that. What I, what I would say is I don't see... Um, we're going a bit too far down the road. I didn't want to go down here about in building to Mania. But um, what I will say about Lesnar's reign is I don't see Lesnar now as the kind of... You know, almost like the Undertaker streak reign. I don't mean like, you know the Goldberg. I don't mean I don't mean who's going to be able to bring down Lesnar because as you point out, he has been beaten. My point is more in the WWE in audiences' eyes, in a lot of their eyes, he's now a pest. You know, he's now a kind of well, you're never around. We don't respect you anymore. Your matches are boring. You know, we want you gone. He's that sort of heel now. It's a, it's a very modern version of one. But you know, it's he, he is almost more like a kind of uh, a Miz type champion, you know, in terms of people saying, well, we don't think you're good enough to be champion. That's not a knock on the Miz these days. But when Miz was champion, when he was wrestling Cena at Mania, when The Rock was first involved, I think a lot of people didn't feel that the Miz deserved to be there, you know. And I think that the I think that these days that that view has changed. But I'm saying that I think more people are like, oh, we ju- all we want now is rid of Lesnar. 
Yeah. You just want rid of Agreed. it. Agreed. And so I, th- I don't think it has to be that it has to be a monster that beats him. It has to be someone that, um, you know, finally, you know, slays this dragon. I, I'm, you know, in terms of someone like a, a McIntyre or, or a Strowman, I, I think it will just be whoever it is. You know, will be happy, even if it's like, a, even if it was like a money in the bank cash in or something. Do you know what I mean? It's like it feels like anyone could be, you know, the person that that, that gets rid of them now. But uh, I agree. Uh, we'll move move away from that. You know, in terms of. Um, Drew, that could be well, well be his path. Um, is he a is he a long term or is is he someone that can be around for five years in in terms of being in that position or would he be maybe like a a Sheamus that has a, a year or two you know working on top but then happily slips down a couple of rungs but is still a valuable performer. It's really hard to say, isn't it? There's so many there's so many variables. That's what again. we're doing, though, Paul. That's I know. I, know. I am I am going to give some opinion on that. So yeah, if to me there's a bit more juice to him uh, behind him than there was Sheamus. I think he just feels, you know, he's been in the, he's been in WWE longer. Remarkably, he made his WWE debut 11 years ago. Well, over 11 years ago. That seems bizarre, but he did. Sheamus came in and was champion within six months, a year. And I think you have to be incredibly special to to pull that off and retain credibility. You're saying that Sheamus made his debut 11 years ago, or McIntyre? No, or McIntyre. Both? McIntyre, right. Sheamus wasn't really miles up but the difference is Sheamus won the belt almost immediately and was seen and, and that was the fatal mistake Sheamus's first reign was seen as undeserved and lucky you remember he won it by putting Cena through a table in a table yeah, he, sort of, he sort of fell over didn't he Cena sort he, of fell over he was positioned as the lucky champion which yeah. cut his balls off within six months whereas McIntyre was never given that shot he has been seen by the audience whether they boo him as a heel or cheer him as a face behind that they respect his journey and I think for performers like that it's it's all about laying those foundations mm-hmm. if you again there's, there's exceptions to this rule there always is and Lesnar's an obvious exception when he debuted but for the most part I think guy, the, the longer you build the foundations the better the eventual outcome the more sturdy the star is when, uh, once they hit the top and Drew McIntyre has, has had the struggles um, and I think now when he reaps the rewards I think people will see him as deserved and I think as long as he holds up his end of the bargain in terms of talent, progression, remaining injury free, that I see no reason why he um, he drops down. I think it's an interesting one. I think it's a very, very interesting thing to watch over the next couple of years because I would say, I, I agree with you in terms of his uh, his acceptance. I think there's an easy way of saying, oh well, you know, the, really, the guy from 3MB. But actually I think they have told a credi- credible enough story on television uh, in terms of the people that you know, I hate using these sort of terminologies, but the non-smart fans, you know, the ones that aren't reading everything on the internet, that just watch the product, you know, I think they've told a good enough story on TV that you're not just thinking about the guy that was in 3MB, um, so that's fine, so I think you've won those over, and you're right, in terms of the ones that want to look into it a little bit deeper and, you know, kind of ignore the whole heel babyface dynamic and just cheer who they respect and, and otherwise ignore them. I think that those people have been won over by you know the, his journey and how he's gone back to basics, worked hard, and got back to where he's you know wanted to be. So I, I I agree with you on that point. I actually think it'll come down to two things. I think one is you know we are in an era where you know the quality of matches is is much more important than it's ever ha- it's ever been in terms of um, you know you used to get you know for an Undertaker for example years and years and years ago. I'm talking way back. 10, 15 years ago, Undertaker could have top, you know, top flight matches and and be the champion and be in main events without the matches being incredibly good. Undertaker isn't really someone that was considered a great worker until he was past 40, yep. and, you know, and, and, until we really got into the streak and 
um, you know, some of the matches with people like Edge and Orton and and and, and so forth. Um, you didn't get a lot of great Undertaker matches in in the old days because his gimmick kind of held him back a little bit. Um, you know, but these days, you know, you've got to be able to hang to be up there, and that was obviously the knock on Roman sometimes was was he good enough to have those matches? Um, so I think Drew has to live up to that. I think if he's going to be working with you know various people on the on the top, whether it's you know Brian or Styles or you know Rollins or Ambrose or whoever it might be, I think he's going to be able to have to go with them. I'm not saying he can or he can't. I'm just saying it's a it's something he has to prove. And second, secondly, you know Vince and Co have, have you know stalled on him once before. You know he was the chosen one and he was someone that was going to. And that was wasn't just a moniker on TV. That was a thing they fancied him, and then they they went soft on him for whatever reason. And if that were to happen again, if they if they find he's a little bit two dimensional. Um, they might go off him again. I'm, I'm, I am not um, trying to stick the knife in by any means, um, but I just, I just think I'm, a, I'm a bit fifty-fifty on it. I just think there's a, there's a fair chance that he has his run, and then they go, yeah, that was fine. He did well enough, but we're just gonna, we're just gonna knock him back down a couple of rungs because, you know, realistically, how far can we go with him? And I also worry for him ever so slightly. <laughs> I worry for him a little bit in the same way that I worry for Becky that, you know, they're not American. You know, just sometimes people just go, well, they're not American. The audience isn't going to take them seriously enough. You know, we, we have to put an American back on top because uh, that's what the fans are used to hearing. They won't be able to hear, you know, Drew's airshare accent properly. So uh, I think go back with a yank. I think that matters far, far less than it used to. And there's a couple of key things about who how Drew has been portrayed um, to counter those points. The first one in terms that you mentioned 3MB now. There's a big difference, obviously, the, the, the comparison, the easy comparison is with Jinder Mahal, um, what, last year? The difference is Jinder Mahal was brought back as the same guy who was in 3MB, he was a jobber for six months, and then he just shot to the world title. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Drew McIntyre is effectively a completely different character. He's yeah, been brought right. back as a killer. So yeah. I don't think they've ever mentioned his past in 3MB, I could be wrong. No, they, were, they won't have done, they won't have done. Um, they, they, they've just packaged him differently. He's, he's, a complete, he's a completely different guy, so there's that. Uh, and as to the nationality thing I think it's a very fair point but I just think it's again he's never been a guy who's come out with the uh, the Saltaire on his back and uh, pretended he's Mel Gibson in in uh, Braveheart I just think that it, it matters so little to his presentation that he's Scottish he never talks about being Scottish he can speak very clearly um, and make himself understood I just I just think it, it matters so little now. Look, you know, last year we got two Japanese guys winning the Royal Rumbles. We got um, a Japanese wrestler winning the first May Young Classic. There's, there's, there's examples all over the place of opportunities that foreign workers, well, non-American workers, are being given that just didn't happen. Um, all it is, you know, it's it's a different time, and I just I think that matters so little now. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to have to do one little thing on behalf of our Scottish listeners. Um, who are raging, <laughs> raging at you? Because you said you said the Saltaire, yeah, which I believe is a village in Yorkshire, not a million miles away from where you live. Yeah, that's true. And it's the Saltaire that is on the flag. Ah, so let's just, sorry guys. Let's just get that. No, you were very. Hey, listen, you were very close, but I, I have to, uh, <laughs> I have to, I have to acknowledge my Scottish roots on that. On I that almost occasion didn't and, make uh, the attempt. I, I, I wasn't 100% confident in it, so I almost just said Scottish flag. But I thought I'll, I'll grab my balls and have a go. And thanks for correcting me. I think people will appreciate your uh, your effort on that. <laughs> I just had to. I, I could just hear them going, "It's it's it's no saltire, it's a saltire." But um, there we go. Never mind. Um, move, moving on. Uh, so we've 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 done Drew. We talked about Lesnar. So are we going to be talking about twenty nine at the end of twenty nineteen, saying that was Brock Lesnar's last year in the company? I think so, and I hope so. 
Um, I think Lesnar, I'm, I'm a huge Lesnar fan, always have been. Even I'm feeling like he's outstaying his welcome. To me, the, the, the real tipping point, you know, the, the Lesnar-Reigns endless feud did no, no favours for anyone. It really, really soured the crowd on both of them. Obviously, Reigns was already pretty much in the doghouse of the fans' affections and Lesnar's got there now. But the moment for me was, uh, was at Crown Jewel in November when... Lesnar's on top. He's not supposed to be. He was. He was. You know. He wasn't supposed to be there. It was done because of sad circumstances. But he came in and he destroyed Braun Strowman in a match that included. I don't think it included any moves other than F5s. Um, in about a minute and a half in a complete squash, simply because he didn't want to take a bump because he's getting ready for UFC. It's completely unacceptable. You know, I I, I appreciate the marketing uh, potential of having a cross cross company superstar but if you have to utterly maim and destroy every other main event you've got in order to facilitate that it's just not worth it Lesnar's matches with the exception of the Daniel Bryan match and the AJ Styles match at the last couple of Survivor Series haven't been all that um, and it's just because he just does the same moves over and over again he's clearly there for the money he's he's, he's, he's had his days he's, he's served his purpose I'd love to see him just gone and let the main event scene flourish a bit more in his absence. It would it would be a nice way of if he did dis- disappear at WrestleMania. It would be a nice way of building into it, wouldn't it? Of of Heyman basically taunting the fans and going, "You lot don't even realise we don't even want to be here anymore, but we're getting so much money to stay that why would he go anywhere else? So we just turn up, we win, we get paid millions, we go away again, and we do what we want when we want." You know the WWE is in the palm of our hand. Like you, it's a bit, that would be a brilliant way of approaching it, wouldn't it? So whoever whoever is against him is going to be you know, you know standing up for the company almost. And um, I think well, that would that would that would work. And I totally agree with your you know your assessment of how Brock has been. I feel like <clears throat> I feel like the tide changed. I feel like the last good Brock Lesnar match was you know in terms of like, a real interest in Brock Lesnar that I had. I feel was probably the match at WrestleMania with Reigns the one that um, Rollins cashed in the belt the the, back, the money in the bank I feel that was the last time I really you know wanted to watch a Brock Lesnar match and enjoyed watching it he kicked the shit out of Reigns on that occasion and Reigns took a beating and people short term you know were a little bit happy with Reigns and then they kind of forgot about that and then they started booing him again but you know for a little while people that night went wow he's pretty good this guy he can take a beating that was a great Roman Reigns match and and Lesnar played his part. I feel like that might have been when they started the Suplex City thing. It was. And that very and, the, and although it, it, it was a, it's been a great T-shirt, lovely money-spinning T-shirt that they can sell in various different markets. Um, a brilliant idea that, by the way, whoever came up with that. But I just feel like Suplex City has really, you know, hampered him. And you know, they used to do you know Suplex stuff with with Taz and with Joe and it was like even, even when Joe was doing it in, in TNA and I was thinking oh, I think it limits you you're so much you're a much better wrestler than you are just doing suplexes and um, and I just think that that's what killed Lesnar and they really started to go to that you know hit a big move hit a big move where actually you know the guy as an MMA competitor you know more about the actual MMA world than me but you know to survive in that world you've got to be able to do more than that haven't you you've got to be able to throw punches or grab a hold or course, you know do whatever and for a while they had the Kimura as his thing didn't they and he had they had him breaking arms with the Kimura and it's like if he doesn't want to take bumps I sort of didn't understand why they didn't 
you know, have him attack Strowman before the bell and put him in a series of holds. Do you know what I mean? Just kind of, you know, school him and, you know, grab him and do an ankle lock and do a Kimura and, you know, do whatever to Strowman. And Strowman's complaint could then be, you know, you're, you, you're, you're a coward and a backfighter and you jump me. But, you know, they could have done it that way and, and rather than just, as you say, F5, 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 F5 pin, which was, you know, that was, that's, that's playing WWE 2K18 on cheat mode, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely you know, it is. It, and it's like, you know, come on. It's just there's no fun to it. I will, I will say, I'd say the last truly excellent Lesnar match and the one I was looking forward to was his uh, Undertaker match, uh, Hell in a Cell, uh, which I believe was after WrestleMania 31. I thought that was fantastic. Um, I, but, I, but I completely agree with all the rest of your points. I think he's... He's done. I think we're out. I think. I think. And do you agree that he will be gone by the end of the year? I think certainly WrestleMania, certainly by WrestleMania, if not before, we'll see the last of him. I don't know, you know, because I, there's an awful lot of people that you know report things online that are very certain about how right they are, and all of those people were very certain he was definitely gone forever a couple of years ago, and then he signed a new contract straight away. So, um, you know, Heyman's a, you know, Heyman is up there with with Chris Jericho as being one of those people that can, you know, work the online world to. You know, think the world of him, but then lie to them and and still retain credibility. And you know, I wouldn't trust anything Heyman said, um, but that doesn't mean that uh, <laughs> I don't kind of respect him for that. So they're very good at keeping their cards close to their chest. It all comes down to money, doesn't it? It's like if if they can afford to keep Lesnar on on a schedule that suits him and to make them the odd appearance here and there, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't get rid of him. I would keep him on in some respect, but I would keep him on in the sense of, you know, we'll give you we'll give you a million million dollars a year to make three appearances or whatever it might be, you know, and it, and it can be either turning up on Raw to to be someone, or it can be a, a surprise entrant in next year's Rumble, or it could be, you know, maybe you've got an up and coming star in in two years' time, you know, maybe, you know not not a um, uh, not not a McIntyre now I'm trying to think of someone is there someone that could be like a you know I tell, I tell you who someone like a Lars Sullivan right mm-hmm. maybe in 18 months time well that, may, that might be true I don't know if he's got that much of a shelf life but say I know he's getting called up now but say Lars Sullivan got called up next year you know this time next year was when Lars was making his debut and then he was building into something and you needed a, you know someone for Lars Sullivan to beat he's beaten 10 people you know now he wants a challenge he does the kind of Ryback feed me more you know who's next, Goldberg kind of thing, and then Lesnar shows up, and then you know, wow, okay, you you, you think you think there's a, you know, you, they're easy so far, Lars. You know, come and beat Lesnar, and then he does. You know that kind of, you know, you know, you know, you know, the first couple of times that Foley came back, you know, and it was someone credible to beat before he started losing to Carlito, and it started being a bit boring. But, um, you know, I could see Lesnar coming back once, maybe twice, for that kind of, you know. Uh, shocking return, you know, put someone over kind of match, or he could be the he could be the big partner, you know. There could be, you know, I could, you know, I could see something down the road. Like, I mean, this is pure fantasy land, but imagine that Conor McGregor came in next year, you know, and and started wrestling and hmm. doing the whole I'm better than all of you sort of thing, and then you know someone takes him on, but you know McGregor says, well, I'm going to bring a partner, and he brings in Lesnar. And then, and you did like McGregor and Lesnar versus you know whoever it might be from from WWE. Again, I'm, that's pure fantasy land. I'm not even suggesting that's got a one in a hundred chance of happening. But I'm saying that that's the kind of thing that I would I get what have you're for, saying. Have for Lesnar. That even I tell you what it is. It's the kind of thing that they did with Hogan about ten years ago. You know when Sean brought Hogan in as a partner and then had a yeah. match at SummerSlam. You know I I might do that one to two pay per view story 
with Lesnar, but I wouldn't have him be the story anymore. Yep, I think I think that's fair, a very fair point. I could totally accept that, but he does need a little rest. Oh yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And I think I think to lose at WrestleMania, you know, to go out of the consciousness at the very least until you know a surprise return at next year's Rumble, you know, I, I think that would be a you know that would be long enough. I think that that sort of nine months would do. And as long as it wasn't a kind of a big build to Lesnar come, as long as he didn't come back and win the Rumble and dominate again and whatever and do that, yeah. that say we don't need to see that anymore. We we we've seen that plenty, and it's like I actually think you know credit to you know changing tack a little bit, credit to them for what they've done with Daniel Bryan because you know I thought they would go down the same road with Daniel Bryan that they did before, maybe have him win the Rumble this time, go to win the title, but actually we don't need that. Do we? We have seen that before, and it's like there's not really any need to to go down that road so credit to them because they found an interesting way you know of incorporating him and you know now you actually want to see the belt taken off him which is a, a, a remarkable state of affairs when you uh, you consider where we were before so I, I don't think we need to see the same stories over and over and again um, is kind of what I'm getting at um, okay when we get to again this time next year who is going to be the, the person that you've said has made the you know the, the big big impact of 2019, someone that wasn't really on the radar right now as we speak. We might it, be, it might be someone that we're thinking of has got potential. It might be someone that comes from outside the company. It might be someone that's been around for five years that that does the Becky Lynch thing and just suddenly you know finds their track and and has a fantastic little run. Have you got anyone that you've got your eye on that you would say that's the breakout 2019 person? Good question. Um, when you first started asking it, I was going to say Becky Lynch, but obviously you mean someone who's less established than that. Someone that right now is not really on. It might not even be on the WrestleMania card, or you know, yep. thought about for the WrestleMania card. If they are, it might be in a battle royal or a tag match, or just someone that's. I mean, listen, it could be someone that's been there before. It might be the Miz. It might be the Miz that's going to have an, another. You know, he's had a couple of good years, but he might go even that bit further and, and do something more. Or it might be someone that's. You know, that's, that's still in NXT and scratching mm. around. I've got two names for this, and I'm really torn on who to say. Can I give you both? Of course you can. Can I cheat and give you both? Yeah. First one, uh, and the first one that popped to my head, Velveteen Dream. Okay. Um, he's going to get called up at some point. Maybe not imminently, but, you know, who knows with the, with the, how they do their call-ups. He has got everything. What is he, like 22, 23? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's barely been doing this very long. He, has ju- he just gets it completely. Big star. He's going to be a big star. Maybe, maybe what I should do is park him, and maybe I'll have him next year. Yeah, I would like to. Star. I would hope that he's a 2020 guy yeah. because I think I think he needs a little bit more polishing. But also, what I'm more worried about is that he gets called up and gets lost. Yeah, I think he he needs some he needs some space to breathe. He is your he is again football terms. He's your your star of your youth team, isn't he? But rather than shoving him into the first team and having him on the bench every week. Let him go out on loan. Okay. You know, let him let him go. Let him go to Bolton for a season before you chuck him in the Premier League. And it's like, um, I, I think I would like to see him have another year in NXT just to make have him be the top. Let him carry NXT for a little while. Give him the belt. Let him carry NXT. That's what uh, I would do. Fair. Well, I can't. I can't argue with that. Let's let's pencil him in for next year then, and I'll go with my other choice for this year. Um, again, he's going to get called up from NXT sooner rather than later, and he's going to set the world on fire. Ricochet. Oh, okay. I thought, you were say, I thought you were going to say Adam Cole. Nope, no, no. And, and I was going to disagree with you. No, Ricochet's ceiling is way, way high. Ricochet is the next Rey Mysterio. Only oh, he's yeah. got a face. What that man can do in the ring is just beyond belief. And I used to be... When I used to see these videos on YouTube of him and Will Ospreay and whoever else, 
doing all this silly acrobatic stuff and I used to just actively dislike it it wasn't wrestling to me but boy has my opinion changed like he is he is such a force such a personality and is now using those moves in the right way when he should for maximum impact and I just think he's such an exciting thrilling compelling performer and when you put him on the main roster I just don't think it, I just think it'd be impossible for him to sink I just think he's too good and obviously the comparison I've made is Rey Mysterio and it'd be great I'd, I'd love to see Rey Mysterio against Ricochet at Wrestlemania with Ricochet taking taking the win and using that as a springboard for 2019 I really honestly think he's he is destined for very big things I I like the answer um, I have only I have two worries about him and one seems a bit of a strange one um, well, actually, the first is a, a little bit more of my ignorance than it is, is anything else. Is is can he talk basically? Yes, because that's I I haven't seen enough of NXT to see him. You know, can he cut a money promo? Because that was that is the that was always the problem with Rey Mysterio. Yeah, you know, Rey, Rey Mysterio doesn't matter that he was small. You can book around that wonderful wrestler, great look, sell the mask to the kids, all that kind of thing. But Rey couldn't talk. Like you know, not to the level that you needed to be to be right at the very top. You know, he did, Ray had the career Ray deserved and is continuing to because he's a, he's, sure. he's absolutely great. But he was never a top man. There's a reason why you know Eddie was the man and and Ray yeah, wasn't. To the out my mouth, to, yeah. To just use those two as a comparison because Eddie had the charisma as well as um you know and and the chat to be able to back it up. Whereas I'm not sure Ray did. So that would be my first thing with Ricochet. Can he talk enough to be a main event guy? That is something I don't know as opposed to saying he hasn't got it. The second thing is actually I I know this is a strange thing to say. I think he's got a terrible name. I'm I, I'm really, really surprised I'm really surprised they haven't changed it. I think Ricochet sounds like a gimmick performer. What I I Irish high flyer Ricochet. No, no, I'm calling Rick O'Shea, but I'm saying that I just think Ricochet just sounds like a it's a good, it, but it's a luchador name, isn't it? It's kind of, it's um. I don't know. I think, I think, I can see where you're coming from, but obviously we know how fond of we are for these one-word names, easy to brand. Um, but it's really hard to spell for a start. It is. No, you're if, right. If, it is. If you, you've got to remember, what was it say? Ricot, ricotchit, ricotchit. And it's like, bear in mind, this is a company that got rid of the P on Psycho Sid because they, <laughs> because they thought it would confuse people, so they called him Psycho with an S. That's Sid. nonsense. They did. They did. That's nonsense. They they got rid of the P because they loved at the time alliteration in names. No, they got rid of it because people it would confuse people to have a P nonsense, on the front. Nonsense. Nonsense. I don't know where you've heard that from. That I I don't believe that for a second. It was a branding exercise. This is it was a stupid branding exercise. It was a patronising. Well, that, that's as maybe, but it's not because I didn't think people. Uh, how many people read about wrestling before they watch wrestling on the TV? You only need to hear his name said once, and you know how to say it. You'd make you'd be surprised what they think of the audience sometimes. Well, um, but anyway, I don't. I look at Ricochet and just think, <laughs> I just don't think it's a very. I, no one would be the champion of any other. Who's the, who's the world snooker champion? Oh, Ricochet. You go what? And oh, I know come in wrestling. On. I know. I know in wrestling you can get away. I, I went deliberately a stupid different sport there. But I. I I've never been a massive fan of someone having uh, just a gimmick name. I don't mind. Like obviously. We all know that Triple H, Triple H is a better name than Hunter Hearst Helmsley. If the Rock? The, no, well, no, but he's not called The Rock, is he? He's called Rocky Maivia. Uh, no, when was the last time anyone referred to him as Rocky Maivia? 1996? No but, no, but, but, no, but we know, the audience knows that he's got a name. 
He is called Rocky Maivia. No, no, no. I'm I'm serious about this. They know he, he's called Rocky Maivia, and then he gradually gets called the Rock. In the same way that you'll have, I bet you've got mates who I'm trying to think of any. I'm trying to think if I can think of any of your mates that you, you you refer to by a nickname. But you'll have mates that you've known as you know John Smith, you know from when you were at school, and he gradually got called a nickname and nickname, and now you all you know him as is you know the dude. I've only got one friend with a nickname. Trevor Danger. Oh, shut up. That's, <laughs> that's 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 um that's a pseudonym for me, by the way, given to me by Paul's at the time three-year-old son. But um uh no, but I well I I I happen to know someone uh who his real name is David, but um I know him through a mate of mine, and his mate calls him Scary, and I I can only ever think of him as being called Scary, and that's what's what I call him. But I know he's got a real name. I don't think his actual name is Scary. And it's like I just think he he can't be called Ricochet, can he? That's not his name. So it's, it feels like he needs a proper name with a nickname. And actually, Dwayne Johnson became the Rock, or Rocky Maivia became the Rock, and Hunter Hearst Helmsley became Triple H. I think you need that sort. Of, I don't think Road Dog was ever going to win the title. Do you know what I mean? It just you can be Brian Road Dog James or whatever. I just I, I know it sounds a silly little thing. I think there's only one. There's only one exception to it, really. That's, that it doesn't really work on, and, and I think it's I think it's Edge. It's Edge actually. I think Edge has got a stupid name, and and he overcame it to, to get there. He was never Adam Edge Copeland. He was just Edge. But I still think it's restricting. I think it's a restricting thing to have a, that sort of name because it, it it doesn't it just doesn't sound right as a proper fighter. Like I think a, a good right. Okay, from the UFC pay per view last week, there was someone that they called Chris Cyborg. I assume that's not her name. What's what's Correct. her name? What's her name? I don't know. No okay. idea. But, you, but but I bet at some point she ref, she was Chris something, and then eventually they started calling her Cyborg, and now that's what you think of her as. But it's like I think you've got to have the established name for it. Would sound really stupid in any other sport, you know, to have a, a someone that's just they haven't got a name. They're just called you know. Spud or something, you know, like he's another one that was like such a stupid name. I know people go, oh Drake Maverick, but no, Drake Maverick is such a better name than Spud or Rockstar Spud because no one's actually called that, are they? And it's a, it's a little thing with me, but I think it, I think it restricts you to to gimmick performer to having a name like Ricochet, which is a I think is a really cool name for a luchador, and it's a really cool name for you know for someone that is wanting to you know. But I think it restricts him to being that sort of flippy floppy performer that you were saying that you thought he was originally. That's what. That's all I'm saying. It's too late now because they've they've had him in NXT and it, bringing him into NXT was the chance to do it. You know, like for example, it's hard to understand why someone is called Kenta, but to call them Hideo Itami kind of works. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like I thought the Hideo Itami was a, was a, a relatively good you know change of name for for him in in an in American you know perspective. I feel that like they could have they could have said you know. You know, so and rico- ricochet and then add a name to the end of it might have been a you know good way of doing it. But anyway, what do I know? Yeah, I'm afraid we're gonna have to dis- agree to disagree on this one, mate. I've got I've got no comeback to you because I just don't see the problem. <laughs> That's fair enough. We don't have to agree on everything. It'd be quite a, <laughs> quite a boring show if um if we did. Can I can I offer you one? Can I offer you who who I think has got a Go has got a big year in them? Um, I mentioned I did mention him earlier on. I was kind of uh, unfortunately sort of. Uh, thrown out my uh, my pitch early, but uh, I I think Lars Sullivan in in the short term has got everything okay. that Vin, everything that Vince wants out of someone. I think in two years' time he's he's unemployed because I think he's one of those <laughs> kind of no seriously I think um, 
well, right enough, I have said this before about no, I know Strowman. What you're I know what I've, you're I've said this before about Strowman, and I have admitted my wrongness about Braun Strowman. But Lars Sullivan feels to me like he could be that that six to ten month, you know, real sm- you know smash mouth, nasty heel, really frightening. But once you've beaten him, you know, it almost like a kind of like a Vladimir Kozlov. Do you know what I mean? Although better, I think he's better than him. But you know, Gene Snitsky, Vladimir Kozlov. I know, people, agree. People that Vince looks at and goes, "Wow, look at him!" He, and he does look, you know, badass, doesn't he? And he looks different, and he looks like he can wrestle a bit more than those people I've just mentioned. But I think once you've once he's had a streak and he's lost, and then he becomes the, you know, the the, the nasty tag team partner, then he becomes the silly dancing babyface guy, and then he gets released. Um, but I do think that 2019 he is. If he catches on at the right time, if he wrestles the right people, you know, if the right people, I could see him, for example, you know, having his first pay-per-view match against like a Randy Orton and absolutely destroying him, and people going, oh, hello, like not having a 15-minute go, you know, back and forth. Orton hits the RKO, ref distracted, you know, roll up pin. I mean, batter the shit out of him for six minutes and beat him, and then yes. people people might go, oh, hello, you know, they're they're serious about this guy. And I think you could, you know, in, you could probably find a couple of people. I'm thinking like a Samoa Joe. I'm thinking like a Kevin Owens. You know, people that can really, really work. And if he needs, uh, if he needs someone to sort of bounce, not bounce around for him, but to really to make him look good, I think there are enough people that you could have some real, you know, head. To, uh, Rusev would might be a good, op, you know, a good opponent. You know, I could see one of your um, sheep questions uh, this this month. We'll talk about the sheep quiz in just a second. I believe is who's going to take the belt off of Rusev, isn't it? And I, I don't want to prejudice our people's answers, so I won't go too far down the line. But I could see Lars being the kind of person that could debut and then win the US title quite quickly, or the whatever title Rusev's got. And it's like, um, you know, to just come in and do that kind of thing. I, I wouldn't do that because I hate it when people win titles after three three weeks. But I could see them doing it with someone like that, you know, to come in and you know just annihilate someone that's established. And I think if they do that, he's got a big year in him. I just think he he will he will be a you know the you know the the firework night, you know, cra- you know, blaze brightly for a short period of time and then immediately get dropped afterwards. I totally agree with you on Lars Sullivan. I think that's exactly the trajectory he's got. You know how big a fan I am and always was of Strowman. You'll never catch me saying the same thing about Lars Sullivan. He's a he's a short term fizzle. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Although, yeah, like I said, I did say that about. Uh, I said that about when you were raving about Strowman, and I was wrong. So it was fair enough to uh, put my hands up every now and again. Right, I just mentioned the uh, the sheep quiz. Um, those people that have uh, listened to this pod before and heard us talking about it and have always wanted to get involved, um, uh, now is a good time to do so. We are pressing the reset button on, on the sheep quiz somewhat. Um, you can almost treat the last year or so that we've been doing it as, uh, as an extended trial, a bit of beta testing. And now we're rolling it out properly, Paul. Um, it does involve uh, a small cost, does it not? But it also now involves some pretty cool prizes and uh, I think a, a good little community to be part of. I think that we have seen it grow very, very quickly um, into something that people are now, you know, people are missing out on if they're not quick, aren't they? Because we've only got 50 spots available uh, in the free game and people have been missing out because there's been uh, such demand. So hopefully if people will translate oh, their yeah. support over to a, to a small cost per month, um, then there's a, there's some chances of some uh, some pretty cool prizes. Yeah, I tell, agree. Tell, and tell us obviously, 
Oh, the sheep quiz has been going on. It's just an idea I shamelessly stole from a forum I frequented a long time ago, and it's it, people have really reacted to it well. I'll explain the rules in a little bit. I will be very brief because most people listening to this already know it. But essentially, it's been going on for a, a year now. People really reacted to it well, and the problem we had is that you know we can only limit it to fifty because it takes so long to put together, and it increases the amount of time increases as you as you increase on the numbers and. Um, and also it's not you know more than 15 it doesn't really work as well because you get too many duplicate scores and whatnot anyway um, so I've had to introduce a small fee for two reasons a to sort of thin out the herd a little bit or thin out the flock should I say um, and and make people sort of like really want to be part of it but the, the main reason and I'll be completely honest about this is it takes me the guts of two days to put together um, <laughs> and I just don't have to, I just don't have two days um, so I'm having to a um, get a little bit of help in and be um, justified to my wife why I'm spending copious amounts of nights fiddling with spreadsheets and that's by making a small charge so um, uh, Mrs B is now okay with it because uh, we're making a, a tiny bit of cash excellent stuff and similar um, to that and it is worth pointing out that yeah previously you've had uh, you've had our hearty congratulations uh, and a little JPEG of a sheep uh, and the um, the title of United States Champion uh, now proper prizes Paul yep absolutely so it's our first contest in January um, great prize courtesy of WE DVD UK um, you're going to get a bundle of DVDs it's going to be the last five Royal Rumbles on DVD as a prize and also two tickets to the rest of the Hooked on Wrestlemania party of your choice it's well worth entering there's a tangible prize and we're also working on a killer prize for the person who finishes the year top of the tree um I won't reveal that till close to the time, but it's gonna I'm gonna make it really worthwhile. Um simple cost on entering, dead straightforward. So if you want to enter, it's three pounds a month. Um paid on uh, on the store at hookedonevents.co.uk. Or if you want to pay for the annual entry, we'll give you a couple of free contests on that one. We'll make it thirty pounds for twelve months. That brings that monthly cost down a bit. And more to the point, it absolutely guarantees your entry for all of those contests so you don't have to worry about getting it in quickly you can leave it to the deadline before you had to get it in almost instantly because literally as soon as the entries opened they were filled now you can take your time consider your answers a little bit more um, knowing if you've got the annual entry your spot is there for you come what may three quid a month is nothing it's it's less than a pint Uh, and going with the annual option of doing 30 quid up front as Paul says, not only guaranteeing you a place, but yeah, as he says, we're working on something which should be pretty cool at the end of the year. And so, you listen, the sheep quiz might be something you don't win at all all year, but if you're in the top four or five each time, and you could, you know, add up a pretty good seasonal total, and you could win the overall prize. And so, it's like a kind of uh, the World Drivers' Championship in the Formula One, as it were, rather than winning each individual Grand Prix. If you come second in every race, you might have a chance of uh, winning the overall title at the end. So, uh, we recommend that you get in nice and early now uh, at the January window, as it were, to make guarantee yourself all year. I think, Paul, you're, I'm right in saying if someone were to join in, say, March or April, they can pay an annual fee and go around to the following March or April, but they, you know, obviously the, the title is from January to January, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So, essentially, the month you pay your annual fee, you guarantee your entry for the next 12 competitions, yeah. um, but you can, but the, the competition, yeah, it goes January to January, so you'll just have part of this one and, and into the next one the other thing to point out is that if anyone does join month to month this time um i'm happy to convert that like let's say you, you know it's, it's just gone christmas you're a bit sure i get that if you want to buy an annual if you want to buy a single monthly pass for january and you pay you three quid if you then want to upgrade to the annual pass next 
month. Yeah, we'll knock the three quid off of the of, off of yeah. the cost. We'll refund the three quid and we'll call you entry for the twelve months. So yeah, de- I want to be dead flexible with it and make sure as many people can pay and enjoy it as possible. Yeah, we're dead friendly on that score. So just if you're if you're at all worried about it, oh, I can't quite get that right now. We understand. But yeah, just just let us know. And drop us a line. We've you know, there's not many of us. <laughs> we're quite we're quite a a, a friendly organisation. If you have questions, and not just on the sheep quiz, but on anything in terms of the uh, the the parties or the podcast or anything it might be, just uh, just drop us a wee line. It'll be fine. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the parties at the uh, at the end of the pod. Um, getting back to uh, to our 2019. Oh, so did you want to just explain exactly what the, the quiz was? Oh, yeah. Just quickly, just quickly, just very, to, um, very quickly. Just, if, if people are going, what are they actually talking about? It's not just, it's not ten trivia questions about different types of sheep. No, the, te- the sheep quiz tests your wrestling opinions, but I don't want to know what your opinions are. I want to know what you think is the majority opinion of the mass wrestling audience. So I always use this as an example question. Question one might be, what is the best WrestleMania of all time? If I was answering my personal opinion, I'd say it was WrestleMania 19. But I'm, I, I, don't, I think I'm in the minority there. I think the majority of people would say WrestleMania 17. Therefore, the correct answer to give for this quiz is WrestleMania 17. You score points depending on how many people give you the same answer. So if there's 50 players and 20 of you say WrestleMania 17, you all get 20 points. Then the five of us that have said WrestleMania 19 will get five points and so on and so forth. And the one who gets the most points at the end of the 10 questions wins. It's great fun. We do the real, we do the reveal in real time with the league table of the competition moving up and down. People who join in with the reveal absolutely love it. So even if you don't come anywhere close to winning all see all year, you'll have a great time thinking of the answers, researching the answers, and then biting your nails for the live reveal. That is true, actually. If you go to the um, the Hooked on Wrestling Facebook page, which is Paul. Uh, it is uh, facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling. If you go there and have a little bit of a scroll down, or if you go to the videos section, uh, you will quite quickly find uh, a selection of videos. The screenshot isn't usually one of those uh, pictures of someone's laptop screen, because uh, there's Paul getting it together and uh, before getting everyone involved <laughs> and pressing play on the uh, on the PowerPoint. Um, but uh, it's uh, you'll find a bunch of those. I'm not saying you have to watch it all the way through with um, uh, with a, a, you know no interest, but watch through a couple of questions and then flick to the end. Um, to, you know, to see the, the the reveal of who's won, and it will very very quickly give you an idea of the kind of questions that are out there, the kind of responses that come through, and we are constantly um, trying to niggle people to say, you're not trying to be cool about this, you're not trying to come up with the the, the cool answer, the hipster answer. You know, if people are asking who's the greatest wrestler of all time, you're not trying to go, well, actually, I think it's um, it's Misawa, you know, the, from from Japan. It was actually in, you're, you're asking a bunch of mainly Brits. We have a couple of Australians that join in, a couple of Americans that join in, some Irish people that join in. But broadly speaking, it's a British audience watching North American wrestling. Um, you can have a very clever old school answer about Johnny Saint or about you know Misawa or whatever it might be. But when you are, when you ask who's the greatest wrestler of all time, most people are going to say Shawn Michaels or Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin or Bret Hart or something. They're not going to you know go with the clever answer. This is not fighting talk on Five Live where you're trying to come up with a really creative answer. It's more like a reverse pointless. If you're used to watching that on TV, where you, rather than looking for the pointless answer, you're trying to look for the top answer. It's more like a family fortunes kind of thing. 
but as Paul says, the uh, the added little uh, twist to it is that everyone is playing the same game. So all 50 people are not giving their opinion; they are giving what they think is the group opinion. So there's a little bit of uh, second guessing about the whole thing. If you if it sounds complicated, it's probably because we're making it sound that way. It really isn't once you get into it uh, on your first go. If so you watch if lo- you watch one of the reveal videos, it will you know they last about 20 minutes, and you'll completely understand it straight away. Yeah. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. The reveal video is the uh, is the, probably the best way of doing it. It's almost like uh, you know watching a watching a, a demo of something really. So uh, we really would love to you to get involved. This week's uh, this month's uh, entry is all about the Royal Rumble, or mostly about the Royal Rumble, isn't it? There's a few uh, Primary. questions in there, so but it's, it's a Royal Rumble kind of themed one. Uh, and what we would um, encourage you to do is do it as soon as as soon as possible. Have a look as soon as possible. But Paul, I think I'm right in saying that the the deadline for entries is going to be the 21st of each month. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. So you'll have the first three weeks or so uh, of the month to get your answers in, to have a look, to have a think about it, get your answers in, get it in by the 21st, and then the reveal will be sort of towards the end of each month, and then a few days later, the first of February, second of February or so, uh, will be February's answers uh, questions, and then we go again and so forth. So it's uh, couldn't be simpler, but we're streamlining it a little bit, trying to make it a bit more of a fairer contest, and uh, and yeah, give you a chance to win some some cool stuff. So we're we're really looking forward to getting into the uh, the meat of that uh, later on this month. And we will continue to remind you here on the podcast, obviously, as well. Um, we go back to um, our 2019 uh, matters and. What I want is more of a generic question rather than a prediction on something, Paul. Something we found hard to do this year, which I think is a, quite a rarity, was to try and find a match that was, you know, a, a contender for match of the year that was off of the main roster. You know, pretty much mm. all of your, you know, the ones that you talked about as contenders were, were from NXT. Um, I agreed with that for the most point. I ended up picking... Um, you know, a, a match that I agreed with, with with you. I could only think of really a couple that were from the the main roster that even might have broke into a top ten. So we we were pretty agreed on the best matches were were NXT matches, um, in terms of the WWE as a whole. Um, is that is that just a blip? Because obviously there are some. If you go up and down the uh, the card, you know there are there are you know such a fantastic array of in ring performers, not limited to, you know. Um, like we've said before, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, um, Finn Balor. You know, it, this goes on. There are some absolutely tremendous top-flight talents. Yep. You know, Seth Rollins. You, you know that if you just allowed any of those names against any other of those names and just said, you've got 25 minutes, go, you feel that they could put on an absolute classic. So is there a reason, do you think that they are deliberately trying to, you know, come away from the, uh, the in-ring style? Are they trying to make it so that people such as your Roman Reigns and your uh, your Braun Strowmans that don't have necessarily the same quote-unquote work rate and not shown up? Or do you think it's just a coincidence that the right people haven't been matched against each other and, and, and it'll come at some point? I don't think it's necessarily that they're trying to get away from it, but I do think um, the situation will rem- remain the same. I think that this coming year we'll see the majority of the excellent matches taking place in NXT. And I also don't think that's a stick to beat the main roster with necessarily because it's not a level playing field the NXT is by design the place to attract people who are looking you know and is you know still the mind you know it's a growing minority sure but it's still the, the minority of people whose primary goal is to get great wrestling matches 
um, and that's the product to cater for them. So it's always going to have that that head start in and, and in look at the workers, look at the fact they've got more time to put the matches together, they've got uh, less content to put out. It's always going to mean more. Um, so NXT has a, an inherent advantage. So what the main roster needs to do to compete is capture lightning in a bottle, both in terms of context and the match itself. What the advantage it has got is got the bigger stage, so the matches there can mean more. We've always talked about you know these indie workers who are taking ladder bumps through tables and shards of glass to get paid twenty dollars. Um, you know that's ridiculous. Ask you to take the same bump at WrestleMania and getting paid half a million, it's a different question. Um, and I suppose it's the same thing with the with matches. It's, it's it, they've got that stage, and with the right time and the right opportunity, things can mean more. But it's it's just not designed to do it. Like I, I fully expect to see the same thing next year. I'd like to see the main roster match quality come up because I don't think this year was acceptable. I think in most years it's way ahead of where it has been. But even with that taking place, I would still expect to see the majority of the top matches of 2019 coming from NXT. Yep, I would tend to tend to agree with that, and it's um it's a funny one, isn't it? In terms of people will sometimes say, oh, "I really hope that so and so gets called up," and others go, "Well, actually, I'm not sure I want him to. I mm. want to watch him having you know great matches once every couple of months, as opposed to you know getting lost in a in a raw shuffle." Um, but in terms of uh, you know who is NXT just a quick quick word for NXT actually in terms of where you see that in, in 2019 I think NXT has been one of those um, projects which I'm not certain anyone knew what, what life it was going to take when it started of course the original NXT was the you know the kind of bastard child of tough enough with the uh, with the you know the on-air mentors and rookies and the, the silly tasks and whatever, but you know as silly as that may have been, it brought us people like you know not that I think that Daniel Bryan might have survived anyway. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, there were plenty of people from that first series that ended up having a you know a little run. Heath Slater, for example, is still there. You know Wade Barrett, you know Stu Bennett has had a, has had a good career, even though I, I still think it's a bit of a shame that that he was let go as soon as he was. I um, mean, there's been various others. You know Ryback had his time. You know, that first series of NXT, you know, you know brought some people out. And the, but then obviously we all know that it evolved into what it's you know evolved into now. But I still think that it wasn't necessarily designed that way. It was just they've learned as they've gone and, and they've hit some uh, they've hit some magic along the way. Um, do you think that it's um, there's been times in the past where it's looked like it's destined to people say, well, all these call ups they're not going to be able to continue the the quality. And if anything, you know, it, I think if anything it's improving. I think if anything this year you had some of the best ever NXT matches and you know when people like Joe and Balor and Rollins and various others were called up and people were saying well there's not much coming beneath them actually you you know you reckoned without your your Al Masses and your you know your, your various other wrestlers that could you know could step in um what do you think to to NXT and and what it can be able to continue to do in 2019 is it going to are they going to keep, be able to keep on striking lucky and bringing in more and more people that can keep it going once everyone's been, you know, called up to the roster? Yeah, I think I think they are. I think the key is to keep that pipe. Sorry, not to keep the pipeline edge, but to expand the pipeline. You know, it's all it's all well and good bringing these indie workers, but the more Drury's tentacles expand, the le, the, the less room there is for these indie workers to, to to get a following and grow outside of outside of WWE. The other thing to that is now we've got 
uh, All Elite Wrestling about to launch. So that's going to be a very, very attractive destination for guys that previously NXT had pretty much a stranglehold on. You know, the, if the choice was between NXT and, and Impact, most guys are going to pick NXT financially and for career prospects. I wouldn't say that's the case anymore. NXT are going to have to really fight for that. They're going to have to give out bigger contracts. They're going to, and they're not going to get all the talent. So the real key for them to keep this going is to make sure that pipeline from their true development center is is improving. Velveteen Dream is really the poster boy for that at the minute. He came in with no experience whatsoever. Um, there's another few guys whose names escape me um, coming through at the moment who have got high prospects. There's a guy, um, Luke Menzies, who, is, who has worked extensively in the UK, but straight into the performance center in the US and he's the guy that lost to Matt Riddle I think on Riddle's debut he's got a big future they need to think they need to expand what they're doing otherwise they're going to face stiff competition from from potentially more lucrative um, opposition I have a couple of questions off of the back of that I was setting up but you've said just said a name that I can't believe that we've not talked about so far so when we were talking about how you said Velveteen Dream I said um, Lars Sullivan, we've talked about Ricochet. There's various other people that we're talking about that could have a big year that could step up. What's the future for Matt Riddle? Is is he someone that could, you know, could he be a night after Mania guy? You know, because he um, he's one of those he's one of those blokes that I don't know what it is about him, but just I think if Matt Riddle was a singer, he would probably win X Factor. I think if he was a comedian, he'd probably get on Michael McIntyre's show. Is that he's just he's got something people just go to him don't they he is just he has got this charisma about him that people just enjoy watching he's you know he would just be i think he would be a success in any in any world i think he's going to be a big success if he's if he's used correctly in wwe is he i could see him being perfect for that night after mania audience would you think he'd be able to sustain it honestly i think you might be asking the wrong guy i i remain on the fence about matt riddle if i'm completely honest there's enough people that rave about him to be to for me to be quite confident that eventually he's going to click with me same way that adam cole and the undisputed era is exactly the same this time last year with adam cole and the undisputed era guys now i think they're fantastic and matt riddle's very much in that wheelhouse for me at the moment i if he appeared on raw tomorrow i wouldn't really raise an eyebrow i wouldn't be that excited but I think that it will come in time. I just don't like his goofy demeanour. I know a lot of people like that about him, but to me, I'm just not a fan. I don't like that he wears flip-flops to the ring. I don't like that he looks so stoned and doesn't seem to take it that seriously, um, which is funny because one of my favourites of all time, Kurt Angle, had kind of the same character, but I just think he did it I he did it a lot better, frankly. So Matt Riddle on the fence, um, hoping that 2019 is the year that I get firmly off that fence and into his, into his camp. It isn't. It isn't purely because of the uh, the, the stoner thing, but um, I look at Riddle and I look at his reaction from a, a certain part of the audience, and I see Rob. Bam, yeah. Dan. Yeah, you're right. You don't. I just think he is. He is the new RVD, and I just. I think he could have a similar career. I think he could have that. Um, you know, reach the top. You know, touch the main event, but. N People would ne people were never ever going to be unless RVD did a four year unbeaten streak like he did in ECW. People were never going to be happy. So, you know there were times where you know you know RVD would have a title match against Triple H and he would lose. People would go oh he's getting buried and it's like he's wrestling the main guy in the main event guys. That's not getting buried. That's just not quite reaching the top. And I always felt that they felt 
we can't have RVD as our main guy because look at him. Yep. You know, he he's a sort of out of it, sort of lank-haired, you know, ultra cool. Okay, yeah, cool guys. That can't be our main. They they want a John Cena or a Miz as their guy or a Brock Lesnar, not an RVD. And that is why you don't ever get someone like that right to the very top. So I think Riddle is in that envelope. But I just, no, I'm with you, actually. I, I wouldn't, you know, necessarily, you know, I would cross the street to watch a Matt Riddle match, but I wouldn't cross town. But um, I just think he's got something with people. And I, as you know, here's the thing about the sheep quiz, folks. I'm crap at it. Paul will tell you this. <laughs> the, ve- the very first one we did, I won, I co-won. Was it with Thomas Broom Jones? That's right. I, I, the, we, we won the first. I was a co-winner of the first one. And since then, I have been garbage because I am not very good at judging other people, quite frankly. It's one of the reasons I stopped writing about wrestling from a perspective of, I think this is going to happen, I think this is going to happen, because I'm not very good at judging the audience. Um, so I would agree with you. He would, he annoys me. In his, To me, he's a heel, and he's a bit annoying. But you know what? I would, I would have probably booed Stone Cold Steve Austin well into the year 2003. So... Um, it's just it doesn't necessarily that doesn't mean I don't think he's a great wrestler I'm just saying that to me I always saw him as a heel even when people were cheering him and so everyone you know gauges things very differently um, I just think Riddle is someone that right now seems to have something with the crowd and I think that with the right seasoning you know he's someone again I probably would do the um, the Velveteen Dream thing in fact I would probably try and do Velveteen Dream versus Matt Riddle as the new Ciampa versus Gargano Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Really, really extend that out because they are totally different characters. But if you could get them to click and you could get them to work a, a program and a series of matches and have them define the next year of NXT, you know, I think that could be a very, very cool, um, uh, you know, dynamic. And then it gives them a year of kind of, I think, I think it's noticeable that the people that have carried NXT or been the champ and been asked to be the man, you know, I mean. Like, Almas, for example, was champ, but he didn't carry NXT, did he? No. It wasn't like he wasn't the focus of NXT, but Balor was, and um, Rollins was, and and Joe was, and they've had certain people, and now Champa has been. There's been certain people that have have led that division, and I think they've all had success because they've understood what it's about to, you know. You've you've been captain for a championship side and then you play for a Premier League team, but you've had that experience of doing really well at one level, but then you make the step up. I'd like to see Riddle and Velveteen given that, um, given that long thing. You, you, I could feel that you're going to say to me if I think Ricochet's a stupid name, do I think Velveteen Dreams a stupid name? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, I do. But I actually think he could be, he could get promoted. He's a gold dust, isn't he? He could get promoted as the gold dust. You know, be, be brought up as as Velveteen Dream, but in the same way that see, here's a, here's a good example of me going back to the name thing: Gold Dust and Mankind. Are they stupid names? Well, they kind of are, but it got them to a point, and then WWE told real life stories about them. Yes, this guy's called Gold Dust, but he's actually the son of Dusty Rhodes. Yes, this guy's called Mankind, but his real name is Mick Foley, and he used to do this and this. When and th- when they start to become a human then I think that they can do a step up. I think you could do Velveteen Dream for several years as Velveteen Dream, and then when you think he's ready to break through, go, actually, this guy's called, and I don't know what he's called. Patrick Clark. Okay, there you go. So you then start to do the kind of, you know, the, you know, P. Diddy talking about the fact that he's actually called Sean rather than, you know, called P. Diddy. It's that sort of thing, you know. It's the, you could then, they could start to humanise him that little bit, and I think that could then 
making more serious. Another one, without going on about this too much, another one of those is I've always thought is Dolph Ziggler. I always thought there was a point where they should have gone, he's not called Dolph bloody Ziggler because that's a stupid name. They sort of did it with Johnny Nitro. You know, they, they you know, yeah, I know Morrison's not his real, I know Morrison's not his real name, but they sort of went, okay, Nitro is stupid, let's call him Morrison, that sounds like a more of a proper name. Anyway, I realise I'm banging on about this because I want to get on to, uh, to other topics, but any, any final thing on, on Riddle before we move on? No, I think, I think you're right in that it'll be a, a spotlight coming uh, into, into 2019, rightly so, and I look forward to finally getting it. I want to conclude our 2019 look um, in talking about a division that uh, again has gone a bit cold uh, this year. Um, even though you can you can probably look and say that there's quite a depth in terms of talent, it just feels like it's been a little bit left to the uh, to one side in terms of attention, and that's tag teams, Paul. Oh, um, yikes! For your for your 2018 pick, who did you go with as your tag team of the year? Very briefly, because people can read the uh, the full thing on the uh, on the Hooked on Wrestling. Uh, pages, but uh, what did you go for as your tag team of 2018? Tag team of the year, and it wasn't close. I went with uh, Roderick Strong and uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Okay, well, yeah, the the, the undisputed yep. era. Um, uh, I <laughs> I'm I'm not a big undisputed era guy, and we'll go into that on another occasion. It's mainly my my fixation on I can't stand people that work as heels but get cheered and thinking it's a success to me that's a failure mm. and I espe- I especially hate heels that have got catchphrases Adam, Adam, had... Adam Cole's got a catchphrase those two haven't no no, but he has but he's part of the group I'm he's not part of, he... I deliberately said Kyle O'Reilly and uh, Roderick Strong rather than the Disputed Era I'm not oh, saying oh, you know, I'm, those two as a tag team not the group okay fair enough I'll, okay, I'll retract that a little bit then but no I, I get annoyed at Adam the whole Adam Cole Adam Cole baby lovely great great catchphrase but he, you know, be a baby face then, be like, or be a baby. Well, that, that's face fine. Then. But you, you yeah. yourself cited um, Mustache Mountain against uh, Strong and um, O'Reilly as one of your top matches of the year. Yeah, uh, magnificent. Go match. back magnificent and look at match. how how much was Strong and O'Reilly being cheered on that one. Uh, a little bit, but not much because zero. Because it, was in, it was in Britain, but it was in Britain. It wasn't the the best one was on uh, Takeover b- 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 Brooklyn. Oh, I I disagree. I thought the better one was over here. But... Either way. Neither of those matches uh, saw them be cheered. Okay, okay, I'll I'll take your word for that. I don't, I'm not sure about that. I think they were they were some of their bigger moves. I think were mm. w- were treated. I thought that was I thought that was worked basically as a babyface match, um, and that they were given in respect. The crowd definitely wanted Mustache Mountain to win, but especially in the British match. But no, I, my my reference was the one in, uh, was it where was it? Was it in the Albert Hall? It was yeah. It was. Yeah, I was the um, that was the one I was really referring to. But uh, uh, anyway, we, we, you've you've had to go to an NXT team uh, to find your tag team of the year. On the main roster, we have not limited to the Revival, the Authors of Pain, the Bar, the Usos, the New Day. Uh, who am I missing, Paul? Um, B Team. B Team have had a reasonably good year for what, <laughs> uh, no, for what they are, for what they are, for what they're pain, supposed to be. All the pain, um, Rude and Gable, uh, Rollins and Jordan. Uh, oh, you, there's tons. Okay, there there are tons. None stand out. Nope. We can all say that we like the New Day, we like the Usos, we like the Bar, we love the Revival, like the Authors of Pain. I think almost all of those main teams that mentioned that are proper teams. I think we would agree that we we rate them, don't we? And I, you know, I think Rude and Gable have had a Rude and Gable have had a reasonable start. I think you've got two guys that are tag team guys. You know, for whatever reason you established that. Um, did you hear the thing on the um, 
the Pritchard podcast this week about or a couple of weeks ago about Billy Gunn. Did you hear about that? What about it? I never knew that Billy Gunn had asthma. Oh yes, I did hear that. No, nor I, did I. I. I never knew that, and Bruce made a really good point: was that maybe that's why Billy Gunn was such a good tag team wrestler because he could wrestle in fits and starts and then have a little break rather than having to carry a 15-20 minute long match without getting there some air into his lungs. I thought that was a really interesting point because Billy clearly was a you know a, a successful tag team wrestler for a very very long time and and never hit the heights as a single. Ro- Bobby Roode is a bit similar, isn't he? It's like you know Bobby Roode had a time where he was champion TNA. I don't think it really worked, even though I'm a huge fan of his. Um, and he's, his run as a single in WWE, I think, was probably carried by his music. Yep. And it's like, I think, without shadow of a doubt, his best times in his career have been with um, with, with James Storm. And now I think he's got some uh, some traction with Gable. I like them as a team, even though there's nothing really to you know, pin them together as a, as a unit. They're not quite like beer money, but um, I think they're doing okay. So, yeah, pretty much all of the teams that we've mentioned, I think we kind of like. It's just that for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like there's been a there's been any stories, does it? Like the, the thing the year before, you had the Usos and the New Day, really not even based off of a lot more than just wrestling each other a lot, but having good matches. And then there was that kind of it was almost like the the, the next version of Hardys and Edge and Christian, wasn't it? That we just wrestle each other enough that we've got respect for each other and we always know it's going to be a good match. But I think there's only so long you can go on that, and it just feels like. I just feel like there's been zero attention paid to the division. Let's just have a bunch of them wrestle each other and occasionally flip some belts around. Yeah, um, pretty much. I think the the feud between New Day and Us- the Usos that was so, so, so good in 2017 seems a million miles away now. It's been like SmackDown's had some great teams on. The bar went through a period without being um, on screen at all. Now they're teaming with Big Show being turned on by Big Show winning the title fairly meaningless Sanity have disappeared the, Sanity I forgot the, about yeah, well why, why not yeah. forget about them they've done nothing yeah. the club have been off TV until these last couple of weeks for six for the yeah. best part of six months why because yeah. of the tag team division got. and even even then with all those problems Smackdown's tag division has been way ahead of Raw's which has just been oh god it's been garbage it's been you know team squandered potential wasted you know, the, the the run of tag team champions from the start of the year when you had the B team, the deleters of worlds. Um Oh yeah, I quite like them. Ugh, no. Yeah. Um <laughs> And then and then up through Ziggler and McIntyre, which uh, and then through Rollins and Ambrose, which was storyline driven and now who is the ta- oh the Orders of Pain. The Orders of Pain now and it's just like No it's not, is it the Orders of Pain? No, it's not it's Gable, Gable and it's Gable and Rude. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Um just just Dreadful. Do you, do you not want um, um, Alistair Black to get called up and go back to his old name and team with Chad just so they can be called Gable End? That would be what the uh, yes, I, do, what, I, I, I didn't realise I did until yeah. just now. But yes, you I didn't do. realise you didn't. Like years ago, I wanted Al Snow to team with Rhino just so they could be called Al Gore. <laughs> but, uh, this is this is why I, no one has me book a company because I would do silly things. Um, but. Uh, the team I went for as tag team of the year for 2018 um, I went for purely because I thought that what they did 
actually led to something meaningful and I went for Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins mm. that was my that was my choice because and not that I think that they're the the best tag team and I obviously realised that they've ended the year feuding but the, the short time they had as a tag team this year specifically on the tag division and of course the longer term association of the Shield and everything that's meant in the past I thought that their short term association this year for the titles worked really well I thought that the matches with um, Ziggler and McIntyre meant something I thought there was good reactions when they won the belts and obviously that led into the, the turn um, from, from Dean so I, I felt that's why I nominated them but again it was almost a protest vote it was almost my way of saying you know I, you know I, I you know it almost feels like voting for a boy band as best rock act do you know what I mean it's like you just to to make a point that there's no good rock group so I'm going to have to give this to you know you know whoever Westlife but it's um it's not a knock on Rollins or Ambrose both of whom I've got a lot of time for I'm just saying it was it felt like a, a slight protest vote but so 2019 this is the kind of the point of the uh, of the chat what about 2019 are they going to be able to to resurrect this is it going to be just a, does it need to be um, you know a complete change in dynamic in terms of the booking of it it has to have some uh, some attention paid or does it need some some fresh meat um, it, has the problem been that authors of pain getting called up aren't good enough? Has it been that sanity aren't good enough? You know, the revival are, is that the problem? Is it that they just not been good enough on the main roster? No, in a word, no. Um, the beauty of it from WWE's point of view is they could flip a switch tomorrow and, and turn this around. The talent is all there. Might yeah. need a might need a rejig. Could do with a refresh. You get some fresh combinations, but it's all there, just ready to go. Even a team like Rude and Gable, who you know have not excited me yet they could do they could easily do there's plenty there and then you've got a few you know you could put a few singles wrestlers together to make a tag team there's a couple of tag teams in NXT who are worthwhile looking at it, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily want to predict who will be the tag team of the year next year because it's such a futile exercise um, you'd, end, you'd end up having you know if you were really doing it genuinely you'd end up having to go with one of the usual suspects like the Usos or the New Day or whatever Um but I do think it's such it's so frustrating how bad the tag team division is because it's so easily fixable. Interesting that we're saying that about the tag team situation on the main roster, and yet when talking about some of the options for match of the year, you know, we're talking tag matches down in NXT, and doubtless if we were talking about match of the year the year before, I think some of the uh, the USO New Day matches might have come into the equation. And hundred percent. And it's you know it's, this is an area where it is it feels like a, I'm going to do it again, folks. It feels like a, a team that's you know full of good players that's for some reason 13th in the league, and you can't quite understand why. Maybe just it needs a change of manager, change of tactics, or or whatever it might be. They need they need a new commissioner. The they need a new commissioner for the tag team division. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, I think that. I want, I want to end on a, on a question because they're, they're two people that we've kind of avoided so far and I'm really, really interested to see where they go because I think they are two people that could be absolute megastars or they could be wasted and they could be they could be headlining AEW's second anniversary show. Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Let's end the look of, of 2019 unless you've got anything else to add on those two gentlemen because I think it's been a really incredible journey for them I hate using that the J word but it's been an incredible journey for them so far 
the stuff that they did against each other. Well, as a first, first of all, the stuff they did as a team. They're some of the matches you were talking match of the year stuff, weren't yep. you? DIY versus Authors of Pain, DIY versus you know other teams. Wonderful matches. Then they split. Then they have great matches against each other. You know, obviously the, the turn by by Jamper. Then he returns and, and and all the stuff that was going on. Um, and then all the way through the year. Now Gargano's a heel, and it's kind of it, that that dynamics changed a little bit. Um, I was going to offer something then, but I won't. I'll I'll, I'll sit back and, and let you have the have the stage. But what is 2019 about for Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano? Well, where we are now, we're sitting here, and it looks like DIY are on the verge of getting back together as heels, which is tremendously exciting and and I love the fact that these two are seemingly intertwined from coming into the company as somewhat sporting rivals into a face tag team and then successes faces and heels sorry face and heel separately against each other and then seemingly coming back together as a heel team I think it's absolutely wonderful I'd like to see these two as people as guys that stick around in NXT full time they're ne- they're never going to be use their the best of their abilities on the main roster so why not make them the backbone of NXT why not make them the first ever NXT lifers um, and really keep on exciting down there and it's very interesting that you mentioned AEW because these guys are the exact sort of talents that we now need to keep energised because they've got enough buzz and if they are disillusioned with their positioning their finances whatever they are guys that will go over to AEW and make a genuine difference um, they need to be very careful about uh, about not having too bloated a roster and about putting the right people deservedly deservedly in the right positions. Um, again, using the football analogy, it's like having a bloated squad and seeing 18-year-old Paul Pogba stuck behind uh, 36-year-old Paul Scholes and pissing off to Juventus. Um, mm. I think you could see a very similar situation if they're not careful. So, it, I think, but he did okay for himself. He did okay for himself. He did okay for himself. He did right. Yeah, he did fine. Not only did he win a World Cup, but he's also um, Velveteen Dream as well. So that's good for you. <laughs> right, OK. Um, but yeah, so in, I think that we're in for another run of classic DIY storytelling as with two guys as heels. Then we're probably going to... Uh, well, I hope the logical thing is going into a Johnny Gargano turn on Ciampa, or vice versa. It would be a Ciampa turn, face turn on Gargano, wouldn't it? And then we can complete the circuit. And then they've kind of done everything then. But that, that if you get there, that's three solid years of two talents running a story intertwined with each other. And that's wonderful booking. So I, I, that's what 2019 brings. I have every faith that if we do go down that road, it's going to be great fun. I have a couple of questions. The first is um, to someone that isn't a big follower of NXT, perhaps just watches the, uh, the TakeOver shows. You have this team, this beloved team, this team that have worked together know to try and get somewhere and don't quite get there and then Ciampa nastily turns on his mate and then obviously there's the injuries and they have a bit of a pause but back he comes again we talked about it at the start of January or sort of start of the year in January um the Ciampa returning against Gargano after he'd lost to Almas and then we get these vicious matches these you know really brutal um matches that go through the year I actually thought that it went a wee bit too far in terms of how they did it but you know it certainly gripped the audience it gripped the uh the storyline was was gripping um, so you go so far down the line and a proper blood feud these two really really hate one another how do you inside a year team them up again how can, how can how can you possibly tell that story explain to me now for someone that last saw yeah. those two six six months ago 
unsanctioned match, whatever it is, absolutely detesting one another. How can you possibly suggest that they're going to team up? That's like that's and this. Surely that's this impossible. is the beauty of NXT because Champa has long acted in the role of almost a puppet master. You know, he's always said he doesn't really hate Johnny Gargano. He just, you know, it's Johnny Gargano that's turned on him almost because because he just needed to get to the top and Gargano was weak, blah, blah, blah. But the real interesting one is Gargano, obviously, because his hate for Ciampa was so vicious. But what's happened with him as a character is he has been so frustrated by his inability to reach the top, watching his worst enemy take on an evil side and ascend to the top and win the championship, whilst he's been unable to beat the champion when it counts he's been able to get the biggest wins when it really counts and that frustration has sent him over the edge to the point where he has has gone mad effectively that's what Johnny Gargano is he's not he's not a typical heel he's he's lost his mind um, and when you lose your mind all bets are off so you just recently on uh, NXT TV you had a cage match between Gargano and Alistair Black where Ciampa came in and interfered in the final and they did their double team uh, finisher on Black to give Gargano the win, but Gargano clearly wasn't in a position where he was willing to just big give give Ciampa a big hug and accept his help. He was shocked that he'd come in, but at the same time, it meant he'd beaten Alistair Black, so he wasn't completely against it. And as long as you keep that subtlety going, and you keep the keep going, the fact that Ciampa's Ciampa's clever and controlling for now, and Johnny Gargano is descending into madness, then it works. You said at one point that you thought that a logical step would be for then Ciampa to become the babyface. How, do, how does that work? Would it, would it not be that Gargano has been sort of, not sucking him in all along, but you know, used Ciampa to get back to the very top and then drops him when he needs to? I think you probably have to get to a position, uh, obviously there's the smarter minds than me that will get there, and they, are, and they are very sharp in NXT, obviously, but you, know, you could do something on the lines of Gargano starts to enjoy the success, enjoy the feeling, starts to embrace it, um, and then does something that he goes too far even for Champa, and then let the audience turn Champa almost and, and let it go that way cool I don't, know. I don't know I can't re- I can't really explain it properly but I'm, I've got every confidence that they'll be able to to your point about them being NXT lifers and also your point about them being potential AEW wrestlers so WWE need to keep these people happy need to keep them on board need to keep them focused occupied energised all those things that you said is that perhaps a, a little bit counterintuitive would would someone like Tommaso Ciampa and, and Johnny Gargano be thinking that they've done all they can in NXT they've had great matches they've worked with everybody they've carried titles they've carried the company um, what you really need to do is if you're going to make it in the business, you need to be working for WWE. It's almost like I, I, I befriended all my uh, my brethren from Scotland earlier on by talking about the Saltire. Now I'm going to actually stitch them up in terms of their football. But you could be playing for Celtic and Rangers, and you could okay, the, the, the Scottish football is a lot more um, tight this year. But you could dominate the, the the football landscape by playing for Celtic and winning the title every year. But realistically, have you made it as a footballer until you go and play in one of the big leagues, until you go and play in England or Italy or Germany or uh, or Spain? You know, would they be looking at NXT and thinking it's all very nice and we're enjoying it, we're having good matches, but surely you're not fulfilled in NXT. For a start, you're not going to get paid as much in NXT as you would be in, N- in WWE. And secondly, just from a career, from a personal perspective, surely you want to you wrestle at WrestleMania. 
you want to main event a pay-per-view and you want to wrestle at WrestleMania and indeed one day perhaps to main event WrestleMania, but surely they're going to get more by wanting to be even just a part of the main roster. Well, that's that's the point, isn't it? And that and and. WWE are going to have to be more aware of individuals' motivations going forward. Some people wouldn't. Some people would like, you know, obviously finance is going to dictate a big part of it, but, and and bear in mind, people in NXT are getting paid a lot more than they used to even a couple of years ago. You know, they're, they're in, you know, there's going to be some very nice lucrative contracts handing out in NXT, but, you know, what if you're a guy who lives in Orlando, who has a young family, um, you know, you're on TV, inverted commas, streaming every week, you're getting paid nicely, you're not traveling up and down the country on a weekly basis maybe that's what you want in life maybe you're a guy that wants to headline Wrestlemania and that and, and, and keeping you in NXT long term won't satisfy you and you will look to go elsewhere where you can be more prominent and I think that potentially gone are the days where and this is a great thing for us fans gone are the days where Dewey can be complacent and bring a talent up to the main roster and just let them flounder and die because they're going to lose that talent and they're going to lose the investment they've made in that talent. So I think they're going to have to be so much smarter in in those pathways, understanding what an individual wants and the best and the best way to get them that. And then in the case of people who are worth something, giving them that. How old are they, Champo and Gargano? I don't know how. I, I honestly, honestly don't know. I would guess at very early thirties. I'll look it up while you're talking. Okay. Well, what you know, while you're doing that, yeah, I'll make the point of because of. I mean, age doesn't always play into it. You know. We, we're talking about AJ Styles finally making his, you know, WWE um, debut and impact. You know, a couple of years ago at the age of 38, 39. You know, Styles is not far off of the age that Flair was when we were talking about, um, you know, Flair still doing it in WWE. Indeed, when WWE were doing the big thing about Bob Backlund, Royal yeah, Rumble yeah. 1993. Bob Backlund, 43 years old. Well, AJ's knocking on 42, by the way. Yeah. Um, so sometimes age is not massively relevant, but. Um, it can be also what hap- might um, depend on is your experience and, and what you've done in other places so I look at someone like a Bobby Roode when Bobby Roode left TNA and came to WWE I looked at Bobby Roode and I, I thought he might never make the main roster I thought he might be someone that they would be happy to bring in you know as, a, as an experienced vet you know to, to be really really prominent in NXT to work with some up and coming guys and I actually get the feeling that he might have been okay with that as well because NXT is a step up from TNA or from Impact Wrestling, I should say, um, and Bobby, at 40 plus and having had a long career, had probably in his brain thought, "I'm never going to make it." Now he might have thought, "I'll I can make it to WWE one day," as he has done. But I think Bobby Roode probably made peace with the fact that he wasn't going to main event WrestleMania, you know, some five years, six years ago. So I think you know he would be someone I would see as being happy with what you were just saying about being the lifer, and even Samoa Joe to an extent. I think that who I think yeah, I think who I think's got more potential as a talent. So someone like Champo and Gagana, who never even really, I don't, if, if they did wrestle in TNA, I don't know much about it. Um, you know, they're indie guys, they're Ring of Honor guys, you know, they're, they're you know, um, you know, independent scene all over the world guys, getting lots of respect. But I'd, a, I don't know how flush with money they'd be. You know, I think money might be important to these kind of guys. And not, I'm not saying they're money driven or money oriented, but I'm saying that I doubt either of those two are, you know, sitting very, very well off from their careers. You know, until no, the last couple no, of no, years. Surely not. So I would think you probably need a couple of banner years to get you a few quid, so you can, you know, be happy with what you retire on. Uh, but secondly, I just, I just, I feel that they would still see themselves as on the way up, and I feel if they were kind of pigeonholed as, as NXT guys for life, I think that's the kind of thing that would make them go, okay, I've got a year left on my deal. I'll let that, you know, wander down. I'll kid on, I'm going to sign a new one. I won't, 
and I'll sod off and join Cody and the rest of them and I'll be a big hero there and Mr Khan's got some deep pockets and that's where I'll make my money I think unless they are seeing that they are making the progression I actually think that it would be more harm to them than good in terms of if you want to keep WWE want to keep them from going to the competition which now becomes an actual conversation for the first time in you know several years um, I think they need to promote them yep I think so um, I think maybe you're right I just think it's going to boil down to, like I said before, it boils down to making sure it's not a one-size-fits-all one size policy. And more importantly, it's you can't just dictate and you can't let people flounder because they've got no other options. You have to, if you value someone and you want to keep them either for their benefits to your organization or to stop them benefit another organization, you have to give them what they want. Uh, yes, maybe true. And also, I tend to... Um, I, I, I try and think of a title for various episodes that we do, and I think if uh, there is a temptation for me to give this episode the title One Fies Piss All, which I think is what you just said, Bob. <laughs> uh, not, not absolutely certain about that. I might have to keep it back. <laughs> One final question on these two gents, and it is in uh, conjunction with what we talked about deliberately uh, just before that. The tag team division uh, in the main roster. Uh, do you simply call them up as DIY? Do you, you know, WWE have a tendency to not always acknowledge... NXT history um, sometimes they do sometimes they don't but most often they don't on occasions it might be left to let's say you do a, a Samoa Joe versus Finn Balor you know feud that just becomes a feud when they wrestle on pay-per-view Michael Cole might then say these guys had a few great matches in NXT and that would generally be the extent of how much they carry things on would you agree with that the, the yeah. only other one I can think of is that maybe Maybe Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, they did a little bit more of... They did, yeah. You know, carried it on. But even then, they sort of did the... They sort of referred to their days as Kevin Steen and El Generico, but they didn't acknowledge the fact they had a long blood feud in RH. They just basically sort of talked about the fact that they were buddies when they were young. So they'll, they'll twist and change history and backstories to, to suit them. So I'm saying, even if you did a complete line drawn under the sand... Under the sand? In the sand... Uh, and ignored their NXT um, goings on until the point where you need to. Do you simply just call them up as as DIY and say go and have the matches that you were having with the, the revival? See what you can do with um, you know Chad Gable and Bobby Roode. Go and have some matches with you know the New Day, the Usos, whoever it is, and l- just give them a year or two of being a tag team because I actually think if they're going to get lost in the shuffle as being Gargano and Champa having their own feud and, and getting lost in, in terms of being singles, maybe the thing to do is just team them up and give them at least two good years as DIY because they really were a great team. Oh, phenomenal. And I think certainly when they first come to the initial roster, their their options are tag team or 205 Live. And um, oh, I wouldn't want to do. I wouldn't want them. To nor would I. I, I. Nor would I. I do see that as a. I do see that as a step down. Oh. I know what they're trying to do with Mustafa and whatever, but I think uh, they'd rather stay in NXT than go to 205. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But I think that that's the realistic shape of things. And um, if they do, you're right about them ignoring NXT. And if they were to do that, why not just repeat the arc they've been on the last two years in in WWE? Um, you'd have to do it slightly differently because they wouldn't be at the top of the card, but it could really work be worth a go I think it'd be worth a go I certainly would um, I would say that you know if, if WWE are going to live up to their kind of giving the fans what they want thing um, and I know they've got a lot of NXT call ups coming in the short term I'm very excited to see Nikki Cross by the way um, but I think that the night after Mania this year 
I feel like DIY and Matt Riddle could be the could be the two big the big uh, the big names that we see. I wouldn't disagree with that. Maybe even sooner, maybe even in the Rumble, but uh, as for, for Riddle's Riddle's perspective, but I would uh, I would like to see them. Uh, well, we talked about Riddle being given a little bit more time, but I certainly could see. Uh, the night after Mania being the thing. Anything else to uh, to bring up, Paul, as we uh, we wrap up our review of a year that's not yet happened? <laughs> no, I think we've we've been pretty comprehensive. Um, I'm always an optimist, and I'm I'm looking for you know to start the year bodes well. I think it's going to be a year where WWE really have to up their game because they've got stiff competition, which to me is is a great thing. The era of complacency should be over now, and I think that yeah, I think that bodes well for the year forward. By the time you are listening to this, we are uh, within, uh, well within a month of uh, of the Royal Rumble itself of, for 2019. Um, it is a, a pay-per-view that a lot of people often refer to as their being their favourite. I think over the last few years, or at least the years up until 2018, that was starting to wane a little bit with a few lacklustre uh, episodes. But this year, I think, or last year I should say, 2018, I think was fairly well regarded as one of the better rumbles in recent history uh, great fun seeing Nakamura well, Nakamura obviously we, we've, we have not mentioned Nakamura at all in our review of 2018 if there was a you know, biggest disappointment of the year or something he might have been in that category sure sometimes through, sometimes through his own fault sometimes not but uh, I don't think we would really have seen the uh, the decline of Shinsuke being uh, something when he chucked Roman Reigns over the top rope in January but uh, anyway, back to the Rumble. So Shinsuke Nakamura wins, Asuka wins, Ronda debuts. So much going on in the first uh, uh, the pay-per-view of the year, the Rumble. Um, restored a bit of faith, perhaps, in terms of uh, what people might think about it. So this year, you know, with, I think, at the moment, quite a wide-open field. I don't think I've, you know, we've talked about McIntyre, but I wouldn't have said he's the only person that's in contention for the for the Rumble win. It looks like a quite exciting pay-per-view do you think Paul? I think I think it has the potential to be hugely exciting I think you're right in that last year was um, really useful really really useful for uh, for bringing the, the good feelings back to the Rumble it had been a couple of fairly fallow years last year you had it all you had some good matches on the undercard you had a very good Royal Rumble a popular winner some very interesting surprise entrance so yeah very 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 much excited about this one we look forward to it, and uh, we will talk about it in depth next week. That will be the topic of, of next week's uh, Hooked On podcast. We will be talking about, specifically, the Royal Rumble 2019, starting to shape up some of our early picks, some looks at the matches, and obviously starting to shape our view of the road to WrestleMania. So that will be the theme for next week's uh, podcast to kind of get us back on track. But we uh, we thought we'd use today as a good exercise of kind of covering some of the time that we've been away and just looking ahead to what we see as being some potential movers and shakers uh, in the new year. Um, for the Royal Rumble 2019, we hope you'll be watching it wherever you are in the world uh, via WWE Network, or maybe you're going to be at the Royal Rumble itself. But for neither of those purposes, um, or if you were doing neither of those things, we would love you to join us at various different venues. I believe a, a dozen different venues across uh, the UK. Paul, tell us about uh, the specific venues of where you can watch the Raw Rumble with Hooked on Wrestling. Okie doke. Yep. Okay. So we've got, like Rob says, we've got 12 different venues up and down the UK. We've, we'll start with London, um, as it's always the um, the most obvious place to start. We've got two parties there. We've got Riley's. Uh, in Piccadilly on Haymarket 
uh, and that's our bigger event and then we've got a smaller intimate VIP event in London Bridge at uh, the, the dugout at Belushi's always very what's popular what's the difference Paul what's, what's the difference well the difference is that the, uh, the smaller event you're guaranteed a table you're guaranteed your own little private area you get table service you've got VIP booths with uh, consoles in as well it's a bit more expensive uh, but you, you it's for people who like the atmosphere but without the masses of people Basically, okay. Uh, thank you. Because I know people yep. So you got the so then we got a we've got walkabouts in Manchester, in Leeds, in Derby, uh, in Glasgow, in Brighton, and Chelmsford. Uh, we've also got a new venue, the Gareth Bale owned Elevens's Bar in Cardiff, which looks super cool. I can't wait to get in there. We've already sold about three quarters of the available tickets in there, so that's going to go really well. We're at the Market Tavern again in Cleethorpes. We are at uh, Asper's Casino Sports Bar in Newcastle. We have another new venue just recently opened in Hull. Um, that's the Tribal Bar and Grill, and that's 12. That's all of us. So, Paul, why have you got venues somewhere that's nowhere near where I live, and why don't you come to where I live? I'm going to. I'm not going to be popular for saying this. We've, we've, we'll try anywhere once. Um, if it works, we'll keep it. If it doesn't, it won't. You know, people who follow us will know we've dropped a number of cities this time round, um, just because they weren't working for us. We tried it and nobody came, so we walked away again. But what I will say is that if you are in places like Birmingham or in Blackpool or in Leicester, um, a few other cities around the country, you can also check out a company called Relentless Pay-per-view Events, who do similar sort of thing to us. Um, they are we're working together to make sure we don't overlap unlike previous years which has always caused a bit of issue with splitting the audience um, so Relentless pay-per-view on Facebook if you type that in you should find them quite easily and they've got a bunch of other venues as well yeah they're coming to uh, to Exeter I believe which is down in they my are. part of the world yes they are I saw, I saw that on the list so uh, when I was saying specifically my part of the world I was being obviously a generic uh, questioner but yeah if, if you are listening down in Devon where I am the, yeah, the Relentless are doing uh, Exeter and also a secondary point to um, to our visiting venues is that sometimes it's just a it's just a quirk of circumstance isn't it that we can't find the right place or or whatever because Cardiff is a good example with we've had a couple of pay-per-views where we've missed off Cardiff yep. but that's tended to be because of a venue um, clash or something rather than the actual not wanting to be there because we've got a fantastic backing in Cardiff 100% yeah it's always we'll always be in Cardiff if we can yeah indeed and that goes for various other places if you support us I think you, you said that the because uh, uh, I was a bit surprised when you told me we were going to Hull and I said Hull and Cleethorpes is surely a little bit of a crossover that part of the world but uh, you said Hull going very nicely so far so if uh, if a venue is um, has opened up and it's well supported we would love to uh, to keep on coming back and there may also be a, a few changes in the lineup for Wrestlemania April yep we'll see we'll we'll be deciding that in the next couple of weeks uh, but we uh, yeah we'll announce that well in advance of the Rumble and you can uh, and you can help us to decide on that by uh, by uh, spreading the word uh, and getting out there and coming along to the Royal Rumble. So Royal Rumble parties all over the place. There's the the famous hooked on wrestling quiz. There's the cosplay competition. There's the wrestling tunes all night. Uh, there's some uh, some hopefully some great guest hosts who will be uh, announcing in the uh, the coming weeks. Uh, and then of course there's the Rumble itself. We live and die by the main pay-per-view. We hope that WWE put something on uh, worth watching, and they usually do. To be fair, in these big pay-per-views, so we look forward to joining you wherever you are in the country. Um, there are a few weeks still to go. If you're not quite feeling it yet, make sure you uh, tune in to us over the next few weeks. We'll definitely get you in the mood by talking up the show, and no doubt the nearer we get, the more you'll be thinking. 
uh, how excited you are for the first pay-per-view of 2019 and let's face it probably collectively our favourite any final words Paul before we wrap up for this week um, not so much final words just a quick thank you to you for guiding me through after such a long gap uh, a long gap see I'm well rusty and also thank a long grap, a long grap and also thanks for everyone who's uh, back with us you know some of you enjoy what we're doing before I hope you're all listening now and we'll make this a much more regular thing for the, for the foreseeable future absolutely so uh, it just remains for me to say uh, thank you on behalf of uh, on Paul and myself and in the entire uh, Hooked on Wrestling crew it's been nice to be back with you it's fantastic to be on the road to Wrestlemania and we will see you next week to discuss some more Raw Rumble specifics until then bye for now <laughs>